Hello and welcome to the 250, your weekly podcast, sometimes weekly, occasionally bi-weekly podcast, looking at the IMDb's top 250 movies of all time, and sometimes movies that Darren was so sure would make the 250, but didn't late on Friday night and we already had a recording schedule booked, so yes, that's what we're covering. (laughs) (laughs) I am, but it was at that stage too late to tell either of you, so I think it worked out. We're all just mercy Um, to Darren's whims at this point. (laughs) I, I am an angry and vengeful god. Yes, we were talking about Sam Raimi's Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, the 28th installment in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, and yeah, so I kind of, I figured that this was a movie that was going to make the 250. It was almost certain to make the 250. It's a Marvel movie. It stars a white guy. It will have a lot of cameos and guest appearances in it. I was like, how could this not make the list? So I was like, Andrew, you're going away on honeymoon. You've just got married. How about we take a break? I maybe record with somebody else. And you're like, no, 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 no. We'll, we'll figure it out. We'll make it work. And by the time we had made it all work, I was like, well, now I can't tell Andrew, having gone to the cinema late on Friday night, that we shouldn't record on Saturday morning. But I apologize. I went, I went with my wife. Oh! She, 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 we were watching the trailer. <laughs> she was like, I'm, I'm not going to be going to that. I won't go to this. I'm surprised I'm here now. <laughs> it, it was just kind of, it was more sort of like, this is what I'm doing on Friday night. We wanna, you want to come along? It's like, yeah, sure, we're married. <laughs> That's yeah, how this works, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but by the way, congratulations, Andrew, as well. I think I said it in person, but it's worth saying again. Thank you so much, Darren. Yeah, you were, you were, you were, you were there. You were, you were lifting me on your shoulders um, as a, a, a groomsman extraordinaire um yeah you're funny, you're funny. which is ironic because i don't have any hair to groom um but yes uh, joining us for this discussion we also have I'm, a fantastic steadily less and less darren i was lo- looking at uh, what what wedding photos that exist and yeah my my I've, I've i i i mightn't have very much hair but i do have a very large forehead which <laughs> which kind of like makes up for it you know, all all the places where there aren't hair, there's there's plenty of forehead. There's more hair. There's yeah. more forehead. Yeah. It's like yeah. It's like a, anyway. So sorry. So segueing neatly from that, somebody who does have a lot of hair, um, who's lifting this podcast on his shoulders, it is guest extraordinaire, the wonderful Mister Luke Dunn. How are you, Luke? I'm good. Yes, I'm here because Darren said to me that Andrew would not be available, and he is available. <laughs> and Darren told me that this movie would be on the IMDb top 250 and it is not on the imdb top 250 at time of recording it's like a sandwich of lies yes uh, <laughs> it's all just an intricate house of cards and it's all come tumbling down there's, um, there's just an off-screen mysterious and enticing voice telling darren that he needs to tell me the truth but then when you find out the truth it actually doesn't really matter at all you know <laughs> Um, but it's okay. We have an overlaid montage of Darren putting the podcast together. Yes, in in our defense, this has been a very chaotic season. We will be getting back to, to normal at some point in the near future. But since we've all seen the movie, uh, <laughs> since the internet is talking about the movie, uh, since we're, we scheduled this recording session, let's talk a little bit about Doctor Strange uh, in the Multiverse of Madness. So just, Luke, I think when I reached out to you and I asked, like, would you mind subbing in on the possibility at that point I didn't think Andrew was going to show up? Um and Andrew had said, ask somebody else to come on. And then Andrew said, actually, you know what? It might fall in the schedule in the right way and I can come on as well. But I think when I asked you, Luke, you had no plans of seeing this movie. Is that fair to say? I don't think so, no. I I, I wouldn't be pushed to go see it. I know 
I think Doctor Strange is a very interesting character in 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 that he kind of came into the Marvel Cinematic Universe past the point where it mattered if people cared about the characters at all. How, <laughs> um, you know, the they care about the machine, and the machine is 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 unrelenting. This is if people listen to my Spider Man episode where I was very drained and not positive, I got bad news for you. <laughs> Um, well, okay. Or, yeah, I mean, or, it, it yeah, is, I wasn't. It's not that I was actively saying I I wasn't gonna go see it, but I wasn't particularly like running out to the cinema to go see it. No. And I mean, it, it, so you do raise a kind of an interesting point there about like Doctor Strange and the Marvel Machine, uh, which is the other alternate title, uh, DSMM. Uh, DSMOM sounds like it should be like a Helen Mirren show that was on ITV for five seasons in the nineties, but. The thing about Strange is that he is, you're right, he's... When Marvel began, yes, they had Mom. these... Be- yeah, yeah, that's exactly... Thank you, thank you, Andrew. The he, medical he, drama yes. from the 1990s. <laughs> Starring Helen Mirren. Um, but the the thing about Strange is that, yeah, you're right, that MD. obviously when Marvel start... <laughs> T.S. Mom, M.D. Um, she also solves crimes. She's Detective Sergeant Mom, <laughs> medical doctor. It's like yeah. diagnosis um, murder. She, but, but, but she has a Land Rover. <laughs> but... Um, we review right that instead. It sounds so much more interesting <laughs> than this. Well, yeah. So obviously, like the Marvel Cinematic Universe begins when Marvel don't have the rights to Spider-Man, X-Men, so they're already pulling from B-list characters: Iron Man, Thor, Captain America. Characters people recognize but maybe don't necessarily care about. And so you're right. By the time you hit 2016, you're pulling out like Ant-Man is 2015, Doctor Strange is 2016, Captain Marvel. Uh, you know, arguably even Black Panther. These are characters who do not have big name recognition. And it's almost like Marvel have kind of willed. Oh, sorry. This is the second time you've 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 said that we're like definitely going to do <laughs> Doctor Strange movie. It is, yes. Yeah. It's like this the early back... days of it. Is is like, by the way, we're going to be doing Doctor Strange. We're also going to be doing um, Incredible Beasts and how Fantastic to Beasts, yes, something well, that, like that. Yeah, I was th- I was just thinking about that as well because that was the thing. Where I was like, Andrew, back in the days when like we were able to cancel things at short notice, it was like, Andrew, I want you standing by the phone for when like Fantastic <laughs> Beasts and Doctor Strange come in in 2016, which they are definitely going to do. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so like next it, to it, a bank of uh, payphones, <laughs> yeah, one of them will ring randomly. But the the thing about Strange is that it, it is he feels very much like a character that Marvel have like willed to happen, where it's notable that like Strange obviously played by Cumberbatch, Cumberbatch an actor who has this huge online fandom for things like say Sherlock for example. Um, but he's on this is only his second movie, but he has somehow appeared in six separate Marvel projects between his first movie and his second movie. So obviously he appears in this, he appears in Thor Ragnarok, the two Avengers movies, uh, the Spider Man movie, and this. So it's almost like it's it's kind of very much like audiences are are primed for strange almost by force of will. It doesn't matter whether the audience wants more strange, you are getting strange. But Andrew, you you mentioned Doctor Strange and you mentioned the possibility that we might have had to cover that in 2016, but it narrowly missed out on the list. Had you seen Doctor Strange? Have you seen the first Doctor Strange? Did you go into the second one blind? I eventually I eventually did and I think it was probably part of the project of trying to fill in blanks that I the and and on the Marvel Cinematic Universe that I that I that I've since kind of given up on because I've I, I um and I think I gave up with WandaVision and then I watched this and I realized 
I've I've missed some context. So like last night and this morning was was watching like all the WandaVision that I had given up. I on. am sorry, Andrew. Yeah, okay. Anyway, so I'm sorry, Andrew. <laughs> this is the best way for Andrew to spend the gap between his wedding and his honeymoon. To be clear, no, uh, no, it was fine because like like the they seem long, but actually most of it's credit. So. Yes, I remember that. It's like it's 40 minutes, but it's only like 28 minutes of episode. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and, and Luke, what about yourself? Had you seen WandaVision going into this? Had you seen the first Doctor Strange? Like, where were you? Uh, Doctor Strange, I saw. It's grand. I think it's, again, it's it's the idea that, like, I think if they were doing it now, Doctor Strange would be grandfathered in from the jump in a different movie rather than launching him with his own, because I don't think Doctor Strange really necessitates the the backstory. And, the, like, that movie is two hours of, like, what's Doctor Strange going to do about his medical practice? And it's like, oh, who, who cares? Or, like, how how's he going to fit? He's been bullied in Magic Academy, and it's like, that doesn't matter. I think the last, like, two minutes of Doctor Strange matters at all. <laughs> And uh, yeah, I think I think if they're doing it now, it's he would show up in somebody else's movie, and and you see that through how he has become a popular movie character. Like I think it was always standard Marvel practice in the comics to get a character over, like get a new character over by having them show up in New York to hang out with Spider Man for a bit. Yeah, Spider Man team up was very <laughs> you know, much like or, a we or, were or Wolverine, this character. you know. Um, and it, if anything, it's shown to be more successful in the movies than it is in in the comics, where that there's much less of a stigma with them doing that in the movies. Uh, WandaVision, I didn't see. No, I don't watch TV, Darren. I think it's a fad. You know, <laughs> I, th- I think it's I think it's uh, chewing gum for start. the mind. And uh, it's a cultural wasteland, is it? Well, it's too much work. Uh, and and yeah. and I don't have the attention span to to catch up with TV, and that's the problem is that the MCU is TV, essentially. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so yeah. you've got TV on TV here, and my brain just starts to scramble very quickly. Unfortunately, if you were to try and do what I was trying to do, like where I ended up watching those kind of, um, you know, Steve Rogers and Thor movies. Um, and kind of enjoying them, but getting to a point where I wasn't enjoying them. But then it was like, I'll keep doing this, but it's never going to stop. So it's going to be the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And I think there's also a um, a, a Hawkeye. Hawkeye, yeah. Yep. Who's watching that? I am, because I had to cover it. Well, I suppose yeah. all the Jeremy Renner fans. Yeah, on, on the Renner app. It, it, it lights up the Renner but app. But it's always about you have to watch it in preparation for the next thing. You know, sorry, you have to watch. It's always about you have to watch it in preparation for the next thing. That's yes. the great victory yeah. of of Marvel Studios is that they have got audiences to. And look, it's you know, it's fine. I'm not disputing people loving these. Everyone on the planet loves these. That's <laughs> that's right. But but the 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 way that they have got people to accept into that idea is their is their greatest uh, greatest victory. My one question for you, Darren, is uh, when you approached me, like, was Graham Day not available? Because you you bring me on for these things. <laughs> And it's like, have you seen this? No. Did you like this? No. Do you have anything to say? What do you want me to say? <laughs> you you say that, but you've been talking for twelve minutes already. I feel like we get we get good stuff out of you. Um, this is uh, yeah. I it's Moneyball is what it is. Like, <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I've crunched the numbers Graham on the spreadsheet. Graham seems like the ringer because like, he's brilliant with this stuff. But you know, I just I just keep going. No, for uh, that <laughs> no. Graham's great, and and he's done some really great stuff with us uh, recently. Obviously, he was on the Batman, and he was on like the Superman Four episode. Both hugely popular. Both episodes that I think turned out really well. The issue with Graham is that Graham is very much like myself, and when it looked like we were going to be doing this with just myself and a guest host, I didn't want somebody who was too much like myself, because if you put myself and Graham together, we'll just start saying nonsense like House of M, John Byrne, Jonathan Hickman, uh, George Perez. We'll start throwing out weird names like that, and it'll get very kind of nerdy, insidey baseball, as opposed to what it normally is, which is just slightly insidey baseball. The funny thing was that like, like, he didn't like um, uh, Spider-Man... Um, what was it? What, what was no way it? Home? Far from home? No way Far, home. No way home. Um, Far from home is the one with uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, which isn't Homecoming. Uh, no, no, that's the one with Michael Keaton. Okay, and, and that is not Morbius with Michael Keaton. Um, Spider Man, the... Sweet Home Alabama. It's <laughs> <laughs> um, the next one. Um, yeah. What? 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 Um, but no, he he didn't enjoy that that much, and it was because it did the multiverse thing, but in a way that wasn't as good as um, uh, uh, Spider-Man Into the Multiverse. Uh, into the Spider-Verse. Into the, yes. I, I love that we're having difficulty keeping the subtitles. <laughs> yeah, the subtitles are entirely, entirely straight. And it's not... But like, it's, uh, uh, there's also a Spider-Verse of Madness. Yes, which is a completely um, different movie. Um, but like, okay, so to, to answer the question of why, why I invited Luke was because I needed somebody who would maybe contrast with my opinion on this, where I needed somebody who would kind of like push back and like when Darren launches into his grand unified theory of Sam Raimi, go, ah, now, Darren, and somebody who would like come to the table with something like, and don't worry, we will get to this in the spoiler zone. The guest appearance of a particular character played by a particular actor oh, yeah. is a psyop. Um, which is something I want to touch on when we get into the spoiler zone, not to put you on the spot, Luke. Oh, we'll get um, into it, don't worry. Mind. I have multiple conspiracy <laughs> theories at this stage in relation to Marvel, uh, so we'll save all that for the spoiler zone. All right, so with that in mind, then we'll, we'll, we'll kind of do the three questions and then jump in, so to get, kick us off, get us started. Luke, do you think Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness belongs on a list of the 250 greatest movies ever made? It's not even on the list of the IMDb top 250 <laughs> list of movies ever made. So if we can't make that, demonstrably, no. <laughs> okay. Uh, and Andrew, what about yourself? No, no, I, I, I don't. It's kind of... Um, I'm looking forward to like a, a, um, a Marvel movie um, breaking me out of my kind of disinterest, you know? Okay. You know, because I, I feel like they can do it. I think the thing that Luke was saying about... Kind of, uh, about their 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 great trick of making it so you need to watch, um, these so it movies. feels like homework kind of thing. Yeah, but it it well yes, it, there's that, but there's also I think it kind of takes the pressure off them to to um, to be good. Yeah, 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 because they know like, like yeah, it's just you know what are you gonna do? Miss out? People are addicted to it. <laughs> let's step on this. <laughs> you know, let's, let's squeeze the toothpaste yeah, as much yeah, as we yeah. can. Let's put some baking soda in with this. <laughs> let's heroin. dilute this. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. Um, and the great thing about drawing blood from a stone is that, like, you, you, stones famously have so much, like they never run out. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but yeah, and then, and. Yeah, so I, I would agree, both of you, certainly not one of the top 250 movies of all time. I get the sense from this that I may be warmer on this movie than either of the two of you, which is not something I would have called going into this. Um, I was sitting down, I was kind of dreading this movie, I was sitting in the chair as the lights went down, going, is this going to be another Spider-Man No Way Home? 
is this going to be Sam Raimi directing Oz the Great and Powerful again? And I think it cleared that low bar for me. So I'm like, yeah, this is a this is a really enjoyable movie. But no, it is not one of the 250 greatest movies ever made. And Luke, here's a chance to throw us a curveball. Would it be on your own personal 250, your own 250 favorite movies? No, no. I like it. I I don't I didn't like hate this movie or anything. Like it was, this was grand. like there's some stuff I would take a lot of issue with. I wouldn't and we'll get to I, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be ever wanted. I'll never see it ever again. But there, <laughs> you know, this is the thing. There there are bits here and there where you're like, "Oh, that's fun." I thought, yeah, yeah, but the, it's just a soup at this stage. <laughs> the whole thing is just this never-ending stream of of soup or gruel or whatever you want to call it. And just because you occasionally get a nice taste of oat in your gruel doesn't mean that, you know, you can't do better. So, no, I wouldn't put it in my list of the best gruel. I've lost track of this. Of the metaphor. Well, no, I I think that that soup analogy is very telling because it is. It feels increasingly like these are soups being kind of ladled out in portions. It doesn't matter whether it's a a, a TV episode, a TV show. It doesn't matter whether it's a commercial. It doesn't matter whether it's a short. It doesn't matter whether it's a movie. It's all just Marvel content or it's all just content in general because the same thing with Star Wars. But but, but like Star Wars, at least because they have they have to do the the opening crawl and there's there's other bits and bobs. They they, don't anymore, though. Well, they... Like that's I th- I th- Andrew. Andrew objected. Like that was, I believe, the thing where Andrew was talking. I can't remember whether it was Solo or Rogue One. I remember Andrew talking about like how disillusioned he was that there was no opening. It felt like felt like there was something just normal about this movie. Now it had lost the Star Wars. But even magic. even bad Star Wars movies yeah. still have that like opening crawl, and, like bit of excitement to it. Like no matter how bad a Star Wars movie is, it still has that that kind of. It give it, you know that, you know it's like um, there's something kind of uniform about it. You know, it's like a Coke, or a or a McDonald's, a or Big something. Mac. Yeah, yeah you yeah. order it anywhere in the world, and it's the, the same. The, the opening of this movie, for example, like it didn't throw me for a loop or kind of surprise me or anything like that because there these things really have no beginning or ending to me anymore. <laughs> it's just this, <laughs> just this one continuous stream, you know. So, yeah, what like like what's that movie? All the people are sewn together. You and Centipede? Yeah, yeah, like that. But with uh, the, the the second and third one are on the bottom 100. Luke will be joining us to discuss those oh, later no. this year. What have I done? <laughs> the human millipede is uh, the second. That's a spin-off. That's, 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 that's where we try to franchise the opportunity, you know, kind of just expand it. We need to scale upwards or, or downwards. I don't know how it works, like, just physically. But anyway, Andrew, Her, would it be on your own... <laughs> would it be on your own personal 250 your own 250 favorite movies yes yes it's, <laughs> this is my favorite movie no um i i i kind of i feel i i probably feel similar to um luke and probably also similar to darren in the sense that like i i i i, I liked um parts of this there is a little bit of fatigue um with these sorts of movies and with their kind of tropes, and that we it, it can kind of get into that, I suppose. But there are also some interesting things. I think even even the kind of uh, poor, uninspiring um, Marvel movies, or, or middling ones, can introduce some interesting concepts. Not necessarily do great things with them, and also have thing um introduce stuff that's that, that's maybe that maybe they could do without. 
and that the, the doesn't really get uh, treated with great intelligence. Or it's maybe up to the viewer. And I mean, I, I would kind of agree. It wouldn't be on my own personal 50. It certainly wouldn't be. Uh, I think it ranks somewhere in like around 10th in terms of my Sam, favorite Sam Raimi movies. And there's like 15 of those. So take that as you will. I think it ranks 10th in terms of my favorite Marvel movies. And there's like 30 of those. So take that as you will. Um, I did enjoy this. I had a surprising amount of fun with this. And again, part of that is probably low expectations because I am. I have been quite disillusioned with as luke said the sea of indistinguishable content that has kind of been coming out of marvel recently and in particular say post black panther where you've had i think is it nine movies and six television shows uh which just seem on six six television shows yep so those here's on the spot it is wandavision falcon and the winter soldier uh loki what if oh yeah hawkeye uh, Moon Knight. Is What If a show? What if... <laughs> it's more. It's more. I of... saw something about What If, and I just assumed that it was like you know a behind the scenes kind of. Uh... No, no, it's it's an animated the the first animated part of the MCU. Um, and it was it's, on the as, reading as list for this, Andrew. Did yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did I not send that on? Um, but uh, yeah, it yeah it it's like and we, it, it is. Sorry. Do we not count kind of things like? Um... Like there's a Luke Cage show, isn't there? And there's... They're Netflix, so we yeah. don't count the Netflix ones, which include, say, Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage. But we do now, because, anyway, we'll because get into it. Because they've been folded in. Yes, we'll get into it. Like, ever-expanding, go look at this thing, subscribe to our streaming service, visit our library, keep paying us money, a long, sustainable model where the idea is that we get you paying monthly in installments. And again tied back to i love that all of this is tied back to the addiction metaphor where it's like now we control the supply and the way that we will regulate that supply is not by asking you to go to the cinema although we will still do that by asking you to pay 12 euro a month for indefinitely in order to get access to this stuff um sorry this is this is very cynical yeah i i I asked like a um a a cousin's child last weekend he was wearing like a marvel t-shirt and i asked like Oh, are you looking forward to um, like uh, Doctor Strange and the and the Multiverse of Madness? He was like, "What? What's that?" And I, I, I was like, "Oh, um, it's one of your one one of the Marvel kind of. He's like an Avenger. He has a movie. It's coming out next weekend." He was like, "Oh, if it's on Disney Plus, so I'll, I'll watch I'll, it there. I'll watch it there. Yeah, and that's kind of like the the um, what it is." Yeah. And I mean, and and to to get to the point that I was going to build to there is that like a lot of those felt like largely indistinguishable. Like the Rousseau brother movies are generic. Uh, Kate Shortland's Black Widow has none of her personality in there. Uh, Daniel Destin. Oh, I watched that. uh, Oh, oh, did you? Yeah. Yeah. It has Ray Winston. It does uh, as a Russian. Um, You turned your back on your pee-poo. (laughs) <laughs> um ray ray winston as a dodgy russian um who sounds just like ray winston as a dodgy londoner um but i i and again kate kate none of shay Cortland's none of shay Cortland's kate shortland's personality is in there uh shang chi where you've got none of daniel destin cretton's personalities in there and i think this is maybe something we'll talk about when we get into the spoiler zone but the question of like how much of sam raimi is in here 
because I actually found this quite refreshing because it felt like it was a Sam Raimi movie. I don't think it's a great Sam Raimi movie. I don't think it's one of the best Sam Raimi movies, but it felt like it was the work of a filmmaker who had a distinctive style and personality that was maybe has been missing from a lot of these projects outside of, say, Watiti's Thor Ragnarok, Gunn's Guardian movies, Shane Black's Iron Man 3, and maybe Ryan Coogler's Black Panther, although you get a sense of the machine pushing back there. So I... Oh, sorry. No, it's interesting because like because of how versatile Sam Raimi is and how like capable he is of reinventing um, himself, and that he's not just that kind of you know you know the way kind of Zack Snyder has a sort of a a, a golden a, slow mo sepia tint to yeah yeah operatic yeah. and that you couldn't get him shot. to do to make a like, rom com yeah 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 or to say kind of like you're gonna do a thriller. Where um, it's um, a, a, a father looking for a son, uh, or something like that, um, or daughter. <laughs> I think I was thinking. Of I like the, I like the equal I like the equal opportunity there. It's like no, it's it's got to be the father. It's got to be the mother. But the child, the child could be either gender. I, um, I, the the moment has passed, Darren. But I I just want to say that all the dodgiest Londoners are Russian. Don't you read the news? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Oh, well played. You're going to get um, sued. Like, <laughs> <laughs> not like Korea. <laughs> Poisoned. <laughs> yeah, exactly. An umbrella. Um, but yeah, so that, like I, I kind of liked it. But yeah, it's, it's not a masterpiece. It's not a great movie. It's not one of my favorite movies. But I, I had a good time with it. And then kind of third question then, just to jump us into this war zone. Luke, if listeners have not seen Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, would you recommend that they pause the podcast Go to their local cinema, say the AMC in Times Square, and catch a screening of it, which is happening like once every five minutes over the course of this weekend. Uh, they'll have already seen it, Darren. By the time they're listening to this, they will have already seen it. Uh, by the time I finish recording this, I will have people contacting me to give out to me for my opinions about it, because that's just what happens to me now. People see these oh, sorry, Luke. and they preemptively, <laughs> no, they, they want to listen to this. They just preemptively come to me and the, like they come to me. They don't even know what I think yet, but they they just know that they're mad at me. <laughs> Welcome to my world. People, people have seen it. Being me and, like. and, and the success of what you were saying there, Darren, about the, you know, the, the, the aggressive push that they've done with these TV shows. Again, you see its success here because I think doctors, you know, it's a Marvel movie. It would have done well regardless. But the enormous success of this, where the cinemas are packed from the jump. Yeah. And this hasn't this has only been out a couple of days. Yeah, I went to see it on Thursday night, and it was a packed screening at six fifteen. Well, that's because everyone watched WandaVision, you know, and and then they know that I, this is the next thing that they have to watch, or yeah, yeah and, and they want to. That I'm not again. I'm not saying that you know. Practically, the whole of Monaghan was at my screening. Yeah, so it was like half full. Uh, <laughs> well played. And again, they push it aggressively. Six TV shows. I didn't even know it was that many, but they just need one, you know. And WandaVision was the one that people really... Well, WandaVision's the one that picked up Emmy nominations. Like, like Marvel have this big thing where they're pushing for prestige. They're looking... Like, Black Panther got a Best Picture nomination. You had Feige going out saying that Spider-Man No Way Home deserved an Oscar nomination. Whereas, like, WandaVision actually managed to break through in terms of television. It got nominations for, like, Olsen. It got nominations, I think, for Bettany, for writing, for direction, for, like, Best TV Show or Best Limited Series. So it did... It did broke through in pretty much every way it's possible for a Marvel product to break through. Sorry, Andrew. No, no, I wonder if like a lot of that Emmy stuff was because, you know, film and TV people like when films and TV uh, shows kind of lick their bum a little. 
and so like, this is this is a uh, this is a TV show about TV shows and about it's, how I, TV is great about sitcoms, yeah. about for... the history of television. Like it's very much like yeah, the history of television. It's it's Marvel colonizing television. Not to get into like a one division discussion here, but like what's interesting yeah. about like one division is how overtly it is Marvel saying, "Well, look, we've conquered film. Now we're coming for television. Watch us take like the one of the great American TV forms, the sitcom, and just like over the course of nine episodes, turn it into a Marvel." movie like th- the form is going to change to be our form I mean, it, like there, there will be no compromise we're just going to smash it and break it until it becomes people shooting yellow and purple bolts at each other yeah. in the middle of a street i want to talk about like how I've, I've become sick of different colored bolts like firing <laughs> at one another but, it's, it's but, just all different colored bolts but audiences definitely latched onto that in a way that they didn't with say the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Soldier? <laughs> you know, or Loki, they, they, or What If, or Hawkeye, or I think there's probably Knight. a hierarchy. People, you know, people kind of, people like Loki, you know, but like WandaVision was definitely Would you say it's a Loki yeah. success, Luke? Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> We've got a lot of those ahead of us, so. <laughs> it's a Wanda I haven't done more already. Sorry, Luke. It would be strange if you hadn't, Darren. Um, this is Falcon excruciate. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, you, you look at, say, metrics like, say, um, and again, streaming services are, are famously opaque. It's very hard to tell what people are actually watching in the age of streaming. There's no standardized rating board. It's not like television ratings where everything is together. But you look at services like, say, Simba. You look at things like Nielsen, like monitoring streaming. And it really does seem like WandaVision broke through in a way that the others didn't, in large part because it is the only one of the Marvel streaming series to rank among the 10 most streamed shows uh, on American streaming services in 2021. So Loki didn't make it, Falcon and the Winter Soldier didn't make it, but WandaVision did. So I think you're you're right to say that WandaVision broke through in a way that the, the but, other... But yeah, like, that was the one that people really latched onto. And then, you know, you just put Elizabeth Olsen on, on the big posters and then people know that this is the next one. And then they, they, they turn up in droves. And yeah. All, all, more power to them. Paul Bettany was good in fairness. I, I do love that Paul Bettany in WandaVision was like, I'm finally working with an actor who I really respect in that final uh, episode. I'm really looking forward to people getting to see it. And it turns out to be Paul Bettany. Uh, all wasn't um, quite so rosy. Like, if you read the Vision's texts about Scarlet Witch, they're actually very shocking and they'd make you lose all respect. I mean, he, he does end literally rebranding himself White Vision. I do feel like that's a, that's a bit of a potential misstep in the current political climate. Uh, but Andrew... If listeners have not seen Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, would you recommend that they pause the podcast and stream it to a local device? Um, stream can they can they stream? It? Oh no, not yet. They can. Sorry, this is force of habit. <laughs> oh, okay, uh, I haven't done this in six weeks. If, uh, go um, to a cinema. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the um, you can you can like if if there's a bus that goes there, or if you have like access to a car, you can. <laughs> And get in. Um, you can go more than five kilometers. Now, um, yeah, yeah. You can choose to wear a face mask, um, and and um, and yeah, watch. I I don't know if I want to recommend that people watch this movie. I mean, if if uh, depends maybe how you feel about um, Marvel movies. If you don't watch them and don't really have any interest in them, um, then. Maybe you don't need to see this. Um, like per perhaps you're a Sam Raimi completionist, in which case, um, uh, perhaps you should check it out. 
Um, but if, 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 if you're, if you're, yeah, if, 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 if you're a Marvel stan, like I don't need to tell you to watch this. If you're a little bit on the fence, maybe check it out. I love the fatalism of both yourself and Luke. It's like nothing we say will make any difference here <laughs> whatsoever. Um, yeah, but well, and, like for for you know for 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 fans who 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 are going to watch all of them, um, like I'm 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 you know we're 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 glad that you're you know in 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 enjoying the, these movies and and like you probably get a lot out out of out of watching them that you won't get out of listening to us talk about them. <laughs> or maybe you will um, I don't know and. And for myself, again, very guarded recommendation, not that it's necessary at all, which is like, I, I enjoyed this more than I've enjoyed any Marvel project since Black Panther. So I think that's a good recommendation. Wow, that's pretty, I don't. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, keep in mind that I, I have not enjoyed any of the projects since Black Panther. So it's a very guarded recommendation. Captain Marvel, one of those? Or was that? Yep. Captain Marvel, I didn't care for. Ant-Man and the Wasp, I didn't care mm. for. The two Infinity Wars, I didn't care for. Spider-Man, I didn't care for. Um, any number of those, like it just they they were dead. They I black you know, Black Widow, uh, Shang Chi, the Eternals, um, those six. Just so tired shows, of hearing you list those out. Like this, I don't know after Black Panther. Yeah, yeah, I've definitely seen it. it. I had to watch these and talk about these, Luke. Like, that's the thing is that I had to like I had to find things in. I had to excavate. Like, I had to dig into these things. I think did you admire the kind of craftsmanship of was it Infinity War or Endgame? Yes, Just, the, the the cold mechanical clockwork of, of Infinity War. I did it of trying to knit all of these kind of Yeah, it, it's what things. people think a Nolan movie is. Like Infinity War is what people think a Nolan movie is, which is it's this intricate clockwork mechanism that exists to pay off at the end. And it, it's, um, it, I I I found that that was like a problem with WandaVision where they would introduce the character like or they would give um, new context for a character, like in 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 the second to last episode. It's like yeah. just resolve what what you've already, you know, um, <laughs> set up. There's plenty well, yeah. left to like. It makes stuff that have, like you've been building to seem less kind of important, important where you, where because you it gives you the, bring the in these purple new power bolts bads. flying at the yeah, end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, but we'll, we'll they, talk they, about that. They, you see, the problem is that the government doesn't have like a color of a beam <laughs> that, um, <laughs> that, that the US army doesn't with. have a yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, you, what, you, you just have a whole lot of bullets stopping in the air and falling <laughs> like rather, rather than like the um what you need is the the bullets to all form into one bullet like the like the things in Mario <laughs> like go towards <laughs> The Scarlet Witch, and for her to be sorry, we're talking that, a lot about give you WandaVision, but I, I suspect we probably will. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I enjoyed it. I mean, it's not the best movie of the year. It's not even the best movie in cinemas at the moment. Go see The Northman. Uh, go see If You Live in America. Go see Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Oh, yeah, I've heard uh, that Which good. is a, another multiverse movie. But we will be talking about that when it releases in Ireland. So when you get back from your honeymoon, we talk about another. Oh, it That is actually in? on the 250. Oh, wow. It did break in. Okay. Um, if, it, if it had been released in Irish cinemas, we would be talking about that instead in this slide. I was listening to somebody um, talk about that. I Googled it and everything. Sorry, yeah. Luke. In a different universe, you're already talking about it. Yeah. Um, all right, then. So with that in mind, then, we will segue neatly into the spoiler zone. Spoiler zone! So, Luke, what is Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness about for you? It's not about anything. <laughs> it's, 
It's aggressively not about anything. It's about, is Doctor Strange happy? I think, but it's not even really about that. It's about motherhood. It's certainly not really about that. No. <laughs> it's, you're the one, Darren, that has opinions about what these things are about. So I'm, <laughs> I'm just going to lob it back at you. Because to me, it, the, it, these things reject at every turn actually being about something. You know, they, they, and anytime that they get close to doing that, then they, they get bogged down by the, the need to appeal to everybody. And also the fear, I think of, of alienating potential audience. Yeah, exactly. Well. And, and they, they just completely lose. You need, you need, you need narrative coherence to be about something. And these movies have a shoon narrative coherence in favor of narrative well, oppression <laughs> aggression um, omniscience omnipresence uh so yeah that's what they're about to be is making sure that you go and see dr strange 3 uh. well okay we, 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 i i i think there is some stuff there that we can talk about but i think like to bring it back to the stuff you did this feels like the kind of thing you want to talk about let's talk about the brand synergy of it all um, cause this really does like one of the big things about Dr. Strange and the multiverse of madness. So some very quick production history, just to run through it very quickly, originally intended to be produced, uh, by the production team behind the original Dr. Strange. That is director Scott Derrickson, who is responsible for movies like the existence of Emily Rose, for example, movies like Sinister. Um, and basically the writer C. Robert Cargill, they were going to come back. They're going to do the sequel. It was announced in January, 2020 that Derrickson had parted ways from the project. According to C. Robert Cargill, the reason was that he wanted to make one movie and Marvel wanted to make another movie. It was announced around the same time that the movie was going to be called In the Multiverse of Madness, and it became very clear that the multiverse was going to be the direction that Marvel were going with this. Sam Raimi was hired to direct this uh, in March 2020, which was just two months before it was due to start shooting. The writer Mark Michael Waldron, who was the writer of Loki, was brought in to rewrite the script from scratch, from studio notes, in less than two weeks um, in terms of getting this movie to come together. Um, so this was a movie that was very much like from the outset repurposed and rebranded for like the Marvel machine. And we'll talk maybe about some of the production stuff later on. But to what Luke's saying about this being like about a corporate stepping stone from Doctor Strange to Doctor Strange 3 to like serving a purpose within the larger shared universe or the larger brand management of Marvel properties. I think that's kind of important to recognize. And so I guess it's the cameos. That's the thing. It's like this is. There's a moment in the middle of this where the movie stops dead to deliver a string of cameos from characters that people all, recognize. All these movies stop dead now in their second act, I think, to get bogged down in something else. Uh, but yeah, this one particularly does that. But before you even get to that, again, the big the big selling point, the big the, the USP of, of the MCU is that it is one continuous story and they've done such an amazing job of, of turning this this one cohesive narrative and you have to see one to see the other and, and to make sense of the next one and, and blah, blah, blah. And again, it's, it's one long story that they've been telling since 2008, which is not really true. <laughs> we talked before yourself, myself, Darren, about how in between these movies, they just, whatever the next, the, whatever the next one is, is whatever they want it to be. Yeah. And they just move the characters to whatever they want them to be doing or whoever, yeah. or whatever characterization they want them to have in the next one, whatever relationships they want to have to other characters. Like, there is no connection. Like Chuetelagio Four is a, is a big example here, where like he's introduced in the first Doctor Strange as the major antagonist for the second movie in the yeah, franchise. Yeah, that, that's he's what I was getting. Third build at in the sequel. Is, oh, sorry, is I didn't that, cut you off. Is that at the end of Doctor Strange, 
you're told that Chiwetel Ejiofor is 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 important, <laughs> and and you're given the teaser for the next installment of Doctor Strange's adventure, and it's like this is this is the state he's of play. He's going to take for, away the magic from yeah, all these people. Or he's going to take away the magic, and and he's their their close personal bond has been severed. This just can't see Luke's face. There's so much drama in these two former friends now being on opposing sides. Uh, And and in this one, it's like, it doesn't really matter at all because the brand has pivoted. The the organization has decided to go another way. Their rewrites have happened. Uh, We got to get people watching Disney Plus stuff. So if you haven't already watched WandaVision, you certainly have to watch it now. Uh, and and yeah, it's, it's it's so much more mechanic. Like I think I think the problem with me on a personal level is that this is all I see now is just the strings. You know, the curtain is, is. I'm too far. I'm looking past the stage to the back. You know, behind the curtain, uh, almost like us. <laughs> the great and powerful. <laughs> the great and powerful. Is back um, there, uh, and 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 yeah, it's so. That's so I- present to me that I can't really get lost and because people do enjoy these characters but the characters are so thin to me and the stories are so meaningless that i i can't engage and how can you get invested in a story when it parks itself for 45 minutes at a time to do other things and to be fair i think andrew's pointed out this is a common problem with these movies like and it, and we're not talking about recently like iron man 2 does the same thing with nick fury in its second act where it pauses to set up the avengers as the boy band like guardians of the galaxy which is one of my favorite marvel movies pauses in its second act to introduce thanos as a main antagonist um all that sort of stuff like in uh, age of ultron pauses in the middle so thor can go to a pool and watch the trailer for infinity war um like this is a kind of a structural way that these movies are put together and I, I like this one is particularly galling because it's like it's very much like oh well look we have these cameos from these characters uh, and notably we have these characters that Disney now owns because they bought Fox and you're talking about like seeing the strings that's the big string it's like well look what's in the toy chest now you can go to Disney Plus now and you can watch Brian Singer's X-Men movies starring Patrick Stewart as Professor Charles Xavier um and look he's now one of ours we now own him we can like literally wheel him out <laughs> and we can wheel him out in a big stupid in the yellow chair from the animated series playing the theme music from the animated series uh, just to tickle the nostalgia receptors so you know you can go back and watch them oh by the way watch the revival of x-men the animated series which will be coming to disney plus uh, very very shortly like and, that and sort of stuff is, is that's kind of- that's where for me the, the idea of this being about something or the idea of this being a, a, a coherent story is inherently compromised because what you have introduced at the start of this movie a new character uh, America Chavez. America Chavez. Yeah. Uh, and th- in theory, the story is about, you know, in, in so far as this is Doctor Strange's story, that she is a uh, a bouncing off point for him. You know, it, we're, we're getting introduced to her. She's a point of view character for, you know, and, 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 and we're getting a sense of Doctor Strange and where he's at and is he happy and all that through contrasting her, through contrasting with her contrasting how he treats her to how Wanda treats her, blah, blah, blah. Then she's put literally in a box (laughs) for 45 minutes uh, while Patrick Stewart is wheeled out. And, and like, it's... Touches his temple and is in a yellow chair and does We have, like, a full... And, again, every minute counts in in a a movie like this, even though they're all so long. 
and we're seeing this one's relatively short this one is is like it's it's two hours and six minutes which is short by the standards of these things long by the standards of a raimi movie but we're seeing scenes through the perspective of charles xavier in this doctor strange to the multiverse of madness which is already bringing in from thanos's corpse yeah yeah or, or, or even him going into Wanda's mind and all that kind of oh, stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, with the, yeah. So we're seeing a full scene through our character's point of view yeah. that has nothing really to do with this movie's story at all. Yeah. <laughs> and and it's just, people love Patrick Stewart. They love him as Charles Xavier, man. And look, I do too. But he's been doing this for 20 years, man. And and he's and he's given up the ghost at least twice. When, when, when Sean Connery did Never Say Never Again, it was seen as profoundly undignified <laughs> by audiences and critics alike that 20 odd years after his iconic turn as one of the great characters of movie history, he was doing the same old thing, older and tired, you know, and in this kind of grim. And he was donating his money to his fee to charity there as well, to be fair. Yeah, <laughs> but it was like Never Say Never Again is this like bloated uh, yeah. and, and and grim kind of sad turnout of the same old shtick. But, but now it's like people would, people would lose their minds now in a cinema. If any previous bond walked into a bond, to a bond movie, you know, people would, well, that's the thing. Like Skyfall was written with that Albert Finney role originally intended for Connery. Like that's, that's where we're at now as as a kind of a, as a culture. Yeah. I mean, like it is worth, I have a quote here from Patrick Stewart talking to Variety about like watching WandaVision, uh, sorry, watching, sorry, Doctor Strange for the first time in a cinema with the audience. Because I think it captures the sensation that I have and I'm a much younger person than him. Um, How was it for you to watch the movie, Patrick? Well, it needed me to do quite a bit of reading and looking at comic books and things. I've never been that comic book person. Even when I was a kid, I used to read books instead of comics. I was unfamiliar with a lot of what I saw on Monday night and I had to work really hard to connect these things together. Because you could hear, the audience knew exactly what the actor's characters were referring to. You remember the laughter when an actor would just mutter some line and the audience would laugh because they knew what the context was and they knew what the history of that expression was. Um, And that's kind of interesting because it gets to something I think you mentioned when we talked about like No Way Home, where you have like Willem Dafoe saying the I'm something of a scientist myself line. It's very clear he doesn't remember saying it in the original Spider-Man. But John Watts has said, say the line, the audience will love it. And like I, I watching this movie, there's a moment where like John Krasinski appears as Reed Richards. And the audience I was with went absolutely bananas. And I'm sitting there wondering do these people care who John Krasinski is and do these people care who Reed Richard is? Or is this just something that has been like conditioned as a response? Like, do people care about Krasinski? Do people what, care about what, Richards? What did you make about that, Andrew, when you saw it? No. Um, it was interesting, I guess, because it wasn't like, Yoan Grufford and it wasn't Miles Teller. They could they could do <laughs> Yoan Grufford now because of uh WandaVision. And, and Oh with with Evan Peterson. Yeah, right yeah. With what they what they did with like Quicksilver. Which are, you mean Ralph Boner? Ralph Boner. Which I I I don't know why that was necessary to 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 We'll talk about that in a moment. Yeah, I yeah. I know exactly why that was necessary, but sorry Andrew. No, no. Um but um what was the question? How did I feel about that? 
I mean, kind of. I, 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 I would like for there to be a good, um, Fantastic Four movie because there were there was a kind of like a so bad it's good kind of Fantastic Four movie, and then I think like that one is bad, legitimately bad good. One, the one that was never actually released. Oh, Roger Corman one. Oh yeah, Roger Corman did a Fantastic Four that's yeah, really for great. Issues, and he couldn't release it. Yeah, that's right. It's it's like in in the Corman vault. <laughs> um, <laughs> It's like the Disney vault, except nobody's ever getting in there. Yeah, but um, but but um, yeah. I mean, I mean, is is that something? Presumably, it is something that they're going to do. Is like, of course. Um, well, that that that's the thing is that like, yeah, Krasinski's been like. This is the thing where this is how omnipresent. They don't think it's cursed, right? The Fantastic Four property. No, no, Marvel have worked like they had John Watts who directed the Spider Man movies. Um, he was tapped to direct the Fantastic Four movie, but dropped out a couple of weeks ago. Like this is the thing where Krasinski. I suppose. Oh, sorry. Do maybe they do believe in curses because there was there was a thing with like, um, Incredible Hulk. Well, the thing with the Incredible Hulk was it's not a curse. It's the fact they'd have to share any rights with uh, Universal. The character is part owned by Universal, so any independent solo Hulk movie would have to be co Why can they do that with Sony but not with Universal? Why can't they play nice? Uh, Because Spider Man is a bigger Spider Man's a bigger character. A Hulk movie is not going to make two billion dollars. I always felt with Hulk that like he 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 was the most kind of um, you know bankable character that they had oh, in in that at the time and that was, had, yeah. like iron man and kind of captain america and thor were the big movies um yeah. so yeah well that's because the, it's better to take 100 percent of you know 300 million dollars than it is but, to take 50 percent so, of 350 million so darren so they are definitely planning to do one they are doing a fantastic war yes, presumably with john krasinski that's not been confirmed okay. this is the thing where like and again this i like we're 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 starting out with the negative stuff, but we'll talk about some some stuff I liked about the movie in a moment anyway. But like, yeah, this is the thing where the internet has been fixated on the casting of John Krasinski as Reed Richards since God knows when. And this is one of those examples of like, when people like Scorsese criticize the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and when, as somebody who likes a lot of these movies, I am very sympathetic to people criticizing the MCU, is where you have, like, John Krasinski and his wife Emily Blunt doing press for A Quiet Place and A Quiet Place 2, and constantly, constantly feeling questions, not about the movie that they are out there trying to promote and sell, the movie that they are trying to get in front of audiences, but instead Emily Blunt having to, and there's a viral video, and to be fair, she's very good-natured about it, but it's like, yeah, you are the 10th person today to ask me would I star in a Marvel Fantastic Four movie, and I have nothing to say to you about that. You know I have nothing to say to you about that. There would be an announcement if I could say something about that. I'm here to talk about A Quiet Place 2. Can we talk about A Quiet Place 2, please? That went viral. it? Yeah, that of course. Okay, do you want to talk about the psyop now? Okay. Let's talk about the psyop. Let's do the psyop then. <laughs> okay, so you were saying that for years there's been these Reddit rumors about or fan casting of John Krasinski and, and Emily Blunt uh, as as Reed Richards and Sue Richards. Uh, I think that's a plant. I don't think that's real. <laughs> I think oh, that's, okay, this is interesting. I think that's coming from John Krasinski's agent. I think that's coming from no. I think that's coming from Marvel. I think it's coming from inside the house. <laughs> I think they've preempted because again, this is the, what, what Marvel do is they get you to the bit where the, the character walks into the room and you go, ah, and then you come Even out and you tweet you about it and you're so excited and then you go yeah. and see the next one. And I think that they have laid the seeds for this years in advance because 
the idea of John Krasinski being like the perfect casting for for Reed Richards is very strange to me. Like it doesn't, I don't buy that. He kind of looks like how he's drawn in the Hickman run sometimes, I guess. I mean, he and the, the Hickman the Hickman run is more modeled on the fact that he's meant to be like Brian Cranston from Breaking Bad. He yeah, like I, arrogant genius who alienated himself from his family and, and when, did terrible when, things. When, when and it's look, not Jim from The Office. So. When you look at how Marvel kind of do their their big casting, like Doctor Strange, for example, like Benedict Cumberbatch got casted in this because of Sherlock. Sherlock was a nerd. Pop, it was the big yeah, thing in, very in the mid two, 2010s and the character as shown there is just like snarky jerk <laughs> you know so that's that's fan casting informing real casting john krasinski i don't he doesn't read to me as the world's smartest man at all with all due respect uh emily blunt i wouldn't necessarily go right to for sue richards either however i know that there were like John she Krasinski was, was up for Captain America back in the day. Yeah. I do know that Emily Black Blunt was up for Black for Black Widow. Widow, and they're married. Is that the basis of the fan casting? No, Marvel did this <laughs> to plant the seed in your mind, so that when you would see John Krasinski show up at some point, whenever they got around to him, you'd be like, "My greatest wish is being fulfilled," <laughs> and you don't stop to think about whether you actually care. At all, because you read this on Reddit five years ago, and now you're seeing it in your big screen while you're eating your popcorn. That This is the fine points at which they have found the way to manipulate your brain. It's a psyop. <laughs> it's coming from inside the house. Uh, John Krasinski okay. learned that from his time with the CIA working on... Exactly! <laughs> it's like a, it's I'm like not a crackpot, Taryn. <laughs> it's like another degree of separation from that kind of Ryan Reynolds or Ben Affleck sort of like um, fan hopes that like a, 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 that that a, that an actor hasn't gotten the chance to really do their um, their their best work and should just be given one more chance to really kind of um, where where is it somebody who who was maybe mentioned in respect of a role but never actually got it and they're like oh yeah dude, um, Hollywood needs to write this role. They'll do this with Donald Glover again as well. That's what I was just thinking. But they, they did that in Homecoming with Donald Glover. Uh, yeah, but they can, not, they can do it again now. Gemma Chan is the precedent where it's like, yeah, you don't care about that because the characters don't matter. So we'll just reuse them. And, and, and the recycling is the other great uh, victory of, of where Marvel are at at this stage. The multiverse uh, thing is the, 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 we can bring the, back old actors if we want, but we can also cast new actors if we want. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. and and it's they're they're bulletproof in the sense that it doesn't matter if you like the property or the or the thing. You're just excited to like fucking uh, <laughs> Black Bolt. Is it Black Bolt the Inhuman? Yeah, the, from the Inhumans. Yes, the the most the, hated Marvel property in the world. The, the ABC most television show. Yet most underseen, most hated, most poorly reviewed Marvel property that has ever existed, starring Anson Mount, the character like from the second season of Star Trek Discovery, and he gets a cheer here. Yeah. He gets a clapping reaction when he appears. Is this is a show that's on television at the moment, or No, no, it was cancelled after eight episodes. This was um, about this was just after Avengers. maybe twenty seven. So it was a while ago. Oh. oh, was it that long? Was yeah, it yeah. Long? Okay. Do you remember they showed it? In, in theaters, you know, they, did, they had an IMAX screening of it. Um, this uh, was after Agents of Shield, anyway. But nobody saw it, Andrew. Don't, 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 yeah, feel don't bad. feel bad. Like, it was terrible. Yeah. Um, 
It was uh, notable as the big starring vehicle for the guy who played Ramsay Bolton um, in Game of Thrones after he left Game of Thrones. It's basically Eternals, though. <laughs> they buried it, and, and the thing is, they could, they can, like in this movie, they can bury something that flops well, and then dig it up later well, to reanimate the, 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 the it. The thing about, like, again, not not to jump off a bandwagon on a bandwagon. The thing about the Inhumans is the Inhumans were like Marvel's replacement for the X-Men when Disney didn't have the rights to make X-Men movies. So they're like, what if we make the Eternals, sorry, what if we make the Inhumans into the X-Men? And then Marvel get the, like, sorry, Disney buy Fox and reintegrate the X-Men so the Inhumans become completely superfluous to requirement. And it's like, no, there never was an Inhumans TV show. Why would you think that? Except now it's like we can use that for nostalgia for people who read about it on the internet because nobody watched it, which is is stunning. It's very interesting. And it's it's flop proofing because, it, uh, uh, you know, all these movies now are aggressively fine, the middle of the road, they're whatever. None of them are bad, but it doesn't matter at this stage whether a Marvel property is good or bad at all. It's just another one. <laughs> And it can always it, it, be, re- and it matters, and it all matters. And it can always it can be, be repurposed later, yeah. you know. And 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 you you would think that you get to diminishing returns, but at this stage, they can get that same, you know, Nick Fury, uh, Samuel Jackson, serotonin rush out of anything. John Krasinski wasn't even in one of these, and they're doing it, yeah. you know. Yeah. Uh, uh, your, your man coming into Wandavision as the other guy like it doesn't actually matter if that goes anywhere because you just get that quick oh i saw him in a superhero movie and now he's here uh you know the guy from inhumans they they do it multiple times in this and again when you get to the the post credits thing at this one just because people know to wait and they know that they're going to see something that is going to lead into the next one they don't even have to have you recognize the character anymore Uh, (laughs) you recognize the performer and then you that's, go, oh, brilliant. That's I'm excited. That's something I want to talk about in a minute because I do think that's a shift in kind of like the Marvel production thing. But Andrew, sorry. No, can I say, I, I, I do think it is diminishing margin returns and and, and, and that people um, feel that this new kind of like period of, of um, Marvel properties is, is a, a, a kind of a, like a period of decline and 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 that the movies well it's we're post imperial we're like we're at the post imperial the movies even reference that like they they they, they this film is is like oh um you know you could be on the lunchbox as in like well who else is going to be on the lunchbox and then there's a there's yeah. a thing it's like there's <laughs> chris evans and robert downey jr have left we we really exactly. need to merchandise somebody and there's there's yeah. a thing later where he's like oh there's there's it's kind of like between like a choice of bug um, uh, related insect themed superheroes, yeah. Insect themed superheroes, yeah, yeah. Where, 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 they're they're aware that like the you know they don't have the big guns because eventually they have to kill them and. Um, well, yeah, 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 yeah. Because actors, actors' contracts expire and they move on, and they're not always available to fill the shooting schedule and so on and so forth. And actually, I do wonder, like, how much of, say, the Illuminati here is is largely down to, like, scheduled availability. Like, I really get the sense watching it that, say, Krasinski feels like he was parachuted in at the last minute, that it was meant to be somebody else. There were rumors that they wanted, say, uh, Tom Cruise to come in and play a version of Iron Man, referring to the fact that he was almost hired as Iron Man back in 2008, for example. And I mean, you could argue that they probably wanted, say, Robert Downey Jr. maybe to come back for a little cameo, because you get that line where, like, Strange says, no genius, which only really works if it's Benedict Cumberbatch talking to uh, Robert Downey Jr. saying no to Sherlock because they both played Sherlock, and oh, look, it's the pointing Spider-Man meme. And actually, yeah, if 
like while we're being cynical, like it's been noted one of the things about the multiverse is that it allows like it might allow Marvel to recast. They could recast the role of, say, Steve Rogers. They could recast the role of Tony Stark. They could recast the role of T'Challa following the passing of Chadwick Boseman by just saying slotting in a multiversal variant of the character and it would allow the universe to kind of continue on there. And I mean, like that that's the thing is that like, you know, there's a sense that like Marvel is vulnerable after Endgame. Uh, in a way that they really haven't been. We kind of talked about this when we talked about Spider-Man No Way Home, and obviously, like, pandemic box office figures don't really matter, they don't reflect reality, but you have things like the movies are underperforming relative to contemporary releases. So, for example, things like, say, Black Widow earning less than Kong versus Godzilla, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings being outgrossed by Venom, Let There Be Carnage, Eternals being the first critical and arguably commercial flop for the MCU, earning less than half of No Time to Die. And you have this sense that, like, for the run from Iron Man and Endgame, the MCU was untouchable. They were able to turn, like, third-rate stringers, like, say, you know, Black Panther and Captain Marvel into billion-dollar grocers uh, just by sheer force of will, and now they're kind of stumbling. There's a sense of, like, well, look, the, the MCU had this big arc, the Infinity Saga, that ran through these films. Like, ha- can you do that again? Do you want to do that again? I reckon they can, but it, it, it feels like at the moment that um, the, the problem is that they have so much goodwill that with, 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 with Captain America and Iron Man and Thor, they had to build... Um, something and they do have to build something now, but they think they already have something. They can kind of coast. Yeah, I don't like this. Is the thing that I think is interesting is that like after after that, we've seen an interesting push in the past couple of uh, movies where it seems like Marvel Marvel have historically had a reputation for being a very creative, unfriendly studio. Throughout hit like there's all these stories about directors like literally walking off sets or being fired or being dropped very early on. Like off the top of my head, you have things like John Favreau at the end of Iron Man Two not coming back for Iron Man Three. You have things like Joss Whedon talking about the difficulty he had getting control of Age of Ultron. You have things like, for example, obviously James Gunn being fired from Guardians Three. You have things like Patty Jenkins being fired from Thor Two before it started. You have things like um What's his, what's his name? Edgar Wright talking about like making Ant-Man. He was hired to make Ant-Man and he walked away because it's like, I wanted to make a Marvel movie. They didn't want to make an Edgar Wright movie. You have Ava DuVernay talking about how like they approached her to make Black Panther. And she was like, no way in hell am I working with that studio because the level of compromise involved would be insane. You have like Lucretia Martel who comes in to meet about like uh, Black Widow. And she's like, I really want to do this. I'm very excited about this. And they're like, oh yeah, and don't worry about the action scenes. We've got a unit in-house that'll do those. And she's like, why would I want to direct a Marvel movie if I can't direct the action scenes? And so what you've had really recently, and this is something, again, I kind of want to get your, your and Luke's thoughts on, you've had Marvel kind of pushing a little bit more towards embracing creatives, trying to repair that relationship or that perception of themselves in the industry, I would argue. We can argue about why that is. Maybe they want awards prestige. Maybe they want critical prestige. Maybe they want something slightly different from what came before. But things like, say, Eternals were a huge selling point for Eternals all over the posters, all over the press, all over the trailers, was from Academy Award-winning Best Picture director Chloe Zhao. And you have people like Kevin Feige going out in public and saying, and, like, it's it's embarrassing. Like, to be clear... I have mixed feelings about Eternals. I don't think it's a great movie. I think it's an interesting movie. I don't think it works, but I think the way it doesn't work is interesting. But you have like Feige going out and doing interviews that are kind of embarrassing where he's like, Zhao came up with this revolutionary idea 
what if she put the camera in a physical location and shot sunsets? And I had to go into the boardroom and explain why we weren't doing this with green screen. And you're like, Jesus Christ, that's how messed up these things are. But you have like with this, you have the hiring of Sam Raimi. And like so much of the press for this has been like from director Sam Raimi. It's been Feige going out and saying, no, no, no. What we did was he told him to do more Sam Raimi stuff. You have Cumberbatch saying, oh, it was a delight to work with Raimi and to see him doing all the Raimi magic. And you've Raimi himself saying, oh, no, I was told I could do whatever I want with it. And like Luke mentions the idea that like the post credit scene here, you have the appearance of the character Clea, who nobody cares about, even Doctor Strange fans. But she appears, but she's played by Charlize Theron. At the end of Eternals, you have a post credit scene with the character Eros, who nobody cares about, but he's played by Harry Styles. And it's kind of interesting that you maybe have Marvel perhaps leaning a little bit more towards established talent, trying established creatives rather than like trying to coast an intellectual property. And I think that's kind of interesting. That's perhaps a transition. And if you're being cynical, you could argue that they are just trying to co-opt that. They're trying to use that in order to give themselves more prestige or more credibility. But I do think it is a shift that is happening uh, in, in recent Marvel output. Well, I am yeah. cynical, Darren. I, I know. That's, I, I cued you off. I cued and you so off. so I think that that is all largely superficial. And this kind of gets into the conversation as well about how much of a quote-unquote Raimi movie this is or, or isn't um, because that's that's about that's about the trades that's about press releases that's about saying we, you know we, we, we let this prestigious director shoot a sunset <laughs> that's about talking to the next prestigious director yeah. you know it has we nothing to do with the reality of the actual film at all really and and in this, like, I think that the, oh, there's Sam Raimi-isms in it. I don't think it's untrue. It, it, they, they are there, but I think it's, it's, it's for superficial ends. And I don't think it adds up to as enjoyable an experience as it would be if I was just watching a... Drag me to hell, for example. Yeah, exactly. Like, at the end of the day, it, it's, it's like when you watch a bad movie and somebody on, is watching on the TV in that bad movie a great movie. Uh, it's always a bad move because you're kind of like, I'd just rather be watching that to be honest with you, <laughs> you know? So this is a, this is a standard Marvel movie in every way that it's made. And then sometimes there's POV shots, you know, like it, it, it I, I think that it undermines the Raimi and Zava. I think he, he, you know, I think he's obviously happy to do this because Raimi can do gun for hire stuff. Uh, he's quite flexible in that way and he's good at it, you know? But, like, it doesn't actually coalesce into the same experience. Because if you take, for example, the very end of this movie, uh, where everything seems great, you know, everything's wrapped up, everyone's having a great time, it's all happy sunshine, smile, variety hour, uh, Doctor Strange is, is going down the street, it's all tied up in a neat little bow, and then suddenly you have that kind of last twist of the knife. Like Evil Dead kind of, like, yeah. dropped the ground. Or Dragon to Hell. Yeah, where the uh, the third eye uh, opens up and it's like, oh, uh, maybe maybe he's messed with 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 with, with these forces a little, a little too much or whatever. That's immediately undermined because you know that there's get there's going to be a post post credit sequence. So emotionally, in terms of how this story is told, that moment dissipates. Like you don't have, like how do you have the kind of uh, hammer horror or not hammer horror like EC comics like twist in the tail uh, horror kind of ending. 
when you then go back and do something else. You know, you can't have you can't have your own get dragged back to hell at the end of Drag Me to Hell, and then have another scene where she's doing quips and bantering with a with a with 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 yeah, like that 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 structurally doesn't work for me. Yeah, it's bad storytelling, and 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 again, that's Sam Raimi saying yes. You can say that you let me do Sam Raimi things here. Uh, That's fine. I don't you know. I can work with that. That's that's him being a gun for hire is allowing them to say publicly, oh, look, we let this creative do creative things. And again, it's about saying to the next director, oh, yeah, sure, you can, you can do the superficial bits that you're known for doing. But when you see the action scenes in this movie, it's still second unit stuff that's been made before he come on board. The action scenes in this look terrible. <laughs> the, the, the fight at the beginning with the big eye monster thing. And you have people in reviews going, oh, it's like a Sam Raimi movie. There's a monster. I was like, Okay, great. But it still looks terrible. It's not exciting to watch. And why would I watch a Sam Raimi superhero movie with shite action scenes when I know I can watch one with great action scenes that actually inform the characters and actually inform the story and actually keep me invested, you know? It's a zombified version of something that already exists. So, again, it's just diminishing returns to me. I do think that the holder's eyes were very expressive. Where, 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 um... Where he's fighting it, and you do kind of feel sorry for this monster who's, you know, he's, he was only 19. Um, <laughs> and, um, you know, had, had just been handed a gun and, <laughs> and sent to bring back America Chavez. Um, and then gets this, like, eye popped, pulled out, and it makes a noise. It's like, can I just like push back a little bit about what Luke said there? Because that, that's the thing about Raimi and about Raimi as an auteur. Because Raimi is one of the 250s, uh, or was, he's, he's a director, arguably the 250 has outgrown, as demonstrated by the fact that this is not on the 250. But Raimi has made 15 feature films. Five of them have appeared on the 250. So Army of Darkness, oh, Evil Dead 2. Oh, we have to play the game. Oh, we have to Jesus play the Jesus okay, Sorry, I was, I was under <laughs> under the impression we were under a time constraint. But yes, let's play the game. Okay, so. So we have two already. We have two. All right, so what do we think the other three are? I mean, two I of those are I was going to guess uh, Army of Darkness. So did they, okay. um, what did you well, say, Evil Dead? And what were the first two I wasn't no? listening? No, no, well then that's grand. Luke, what, what do you think? So five Sam Raimi movies that have been on the 250 hit us. What do you think those five are? Spider-Man 2. Bing, yep. Spider-Man. Yep. Uh, Army of Darkness. Yep. Uh, Evil Dead 2. Yes. Now here, this one, the last one, I think might be a twist. Luke, considering his options. Andrew, do you want to take a shot? Can I get some mommy? That's not a Sam Raimi movie. Wasn't oh no sorry <laughs> I'm thinking of the producer who did some of the, the oh yeah you because you're you're listening to Black Check yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yeah drag 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 me to hell nope quick in the dead nope baseball movie <laughs> really boring one no not not for the love of the game no. then I have no idea uh, it is um, a simple plan. His 1998 oh, movie. Yeah. I was trying I to think movie. of the title of A Simple Plan. I was like, what was it called? A basic plot. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, but like, there is a sense that Raimi was a, a straightforward scheme. <laughs> he, was, he was a 250 director and the 250 kind of outgrew him a little bit. But, and again, I say that as somebody who grew up with Raimi's movies and loved Raimi's movies as a teenager. But like, I think to what Luke said, Raimi's always been a director. He's not a precious auteur. He's not James Cameron. He's not Christopher Nolan. He's always been a director who has been kind of like 
aware of audience and studio expectations. Those famous stories you'd hear about when he was like making student films and he would edit them in real time, depending on how the audience was reacting. And he's a, and a director who's always been very conscious of how he's perceived. So you have things like that trilogy he did, like of grown up movies, which were a simple plan for the love of the game and the gift when it was like, I need to be taken seriously. You have things like him going and doing kind of work for hire and working with the studio on the Spider-Man movies where like Spider-Man 3 is him compromising with Sony. And I think you can make an argument that Raimi is arguably like the perfect level of auteur for a project like a Marvel movie, where, again, very similar to like why I think, say, Gun and Watiti are perfectly, because it's there's something you said after we saw The Suicide Squad, which I, I kind of stuck with me, Luke, which is the idea that like Gun is the perfect director to make movies like that because you don't feel like you are missing anything by him making movies like that. You don't feel like you are missing his memento. You don't feel like you are missing his, you know, Terminator or whatever. It feels like that's exactly where he should be and that's exactly what he enjoys doing and that's exactly what he delivers. And I think Raimi is the perfect level of auteur for a project like this where it's like Zhao is a very bad fit for the Marvel machine because she has like themes and ideas and she likes to be in control of absolutely every aspect of the movie. Whereas Raimi is a guy who you can draft in. Here he arrives two months before production's due to start. Here he's getting script pages delivered to him on the morning of the shoot. Here he's having the movie moved around the production schedule so that like characters like America Chavez, who was meant to be introduced in Spider-Man No Way Home, is suddenly introduced in his movie. Here he's being told, oh, by the way, Wanda's in your movie and WandaVision was supposed to come after your movie, but now it's coming before. We're shooting at the same time. You've no idea what's going on. Just shoot the scripts. And he's capable of doing that, but he's capable of doing that while layering his own visual style on top. And I, I do think that you're right that there is a sense of he's almost playing a tribute band to Sam Raimi. It's almost like going to a tribute band for Sam Raimi where you're doing things like, oh, you're getting Sam Raimi fan service. It's like, oh, the mirror the mirror is water. Yeah, the mirror's water, for example. Bruce Campbell is going to fight his own hand, for example. Oh, look, there's the Dodge Challenger that Sam Raimi lost his virginity in that is in every Sam Raimi movie. Like, play the hits, give us the bits that we want, give us the virtual skyscrapers, all that sort of stuff. But I, I do also think that there's enough of a flair and personality there. Like, see, so you mentioned the second unit action scenes, right? There is, and, and you're right, It these are not as good as his Spider-Man scenes by any stretch of the imagination. They're certainly not a comparison to his The Quick and the Dead or anything like that. But there's a moment in like a very generic second unit fight between Strange and Mordo where the camera comes from the perspective of Chiwetel Ejiofor's foot. Like there's a shot in that sequence from the perspective of the foot of one of the actors. And it's like, yeah, that is a little Sam Raimi touch in the midst of an otherwise anonymous action scene. And I, I kind of, I think that's better than a lot of what we've gotten from the MCU. It's a very poor fight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I think, I think that's, I, I, I think that is, to me, pretty, pretty superficial. Really, like I, it, it doesn't add up to a film with a creative stamp on it, or even just a, like it doesn't have to have a creative stamp. But, but, but on the whole, again, I just see the strings and the fact that you can say, oh, this has a bit of Raimi to it, or this bit has a Raimi, bit of Raimi to it. And all the bits that do have those Raimiisms in, I did like. But then you're then you're saying, well, this is the studio bit. And like it's so too transparent to me that I, that I can't get into it. And it is, to me, the difference between having, you know, 
an actual banana that grew <laughs> from a tree, you know, and, and, and tastes of bananas and is a real tangible thing that has actual nutrients in it, you know, and, and having a banana flavored thing, which, uh, which suggests banana, but it tastes very synthetic, <laughs> you know, and is, is completely empty. And, 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 it, and, it, and again, it's like, I, I, I think, I think it's, I think it's Marvel protecting their image in a way in that all the reviews, all the reviews and the reviews for this have been positive and people are enjoying it. And again, great. But they all reference like, Oh, they let Sam Raimi have a camera and use it. And it's like, is that how far the standard has dropped? And, and, and the again, answer is yes. That, the answer is yes. The answer is the like, is, there's Darren, a point where that is okay. That, 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 that maybe I'll get into it later, but that leads me to say up too. Okay. All right. Do you want to do Psyop 2 now? I, I won't get to Psyop 2 now, but I, I, again, I just I feel like it's superficial to me. And it's the same thing as people saying, oh, this is Marvel's horror movie. And it's like, no, okay, this okay. is not a horror movie. This occasionally weaves in horror elements so that they can say that in, in, in the press tour. Okay. okay. Can, <laughs> can I push well, back just a little? Okay, sorry, Andrew. No, I, I, I was going to say it's a lot more brutal than any um, Marvel movie I'm used to seeing. And I found that kind of jarring and like it's sort of like upsetting and it, it, it didn't feel like it it, it fit not one for the kids i no yeah okay kids. i'm gonna i'm gonna strongly disagree with this i thought like i think luke's right it's not a horror movie i think this is a horror a pop horror for kids i think like as a seven-year-old i would have loved this movie um where it's like it it's it is brutal People and violent, like but it's are getting like sawn in two, but and... not shown on screen. Um, and things like the the it's kind of like the clear. zombies, just like blood on the they, on the they, shield. They, yeah, yeah, that they that they that they didn't do that for such a long time, <laughs> and now it's um, but, like and things like the zombie like strange. Yeah, not and just like, blood, but like presumably like like you know um, guts intestines and all that sort of stuff exactly but, but like things like that things like the hand like falling beneath the statue things like the zombie strange with like the like makeup from hocus pocus and all that sort of stuff zombie I, strange like, i did like i liked that yeah I, I, like and the lightning in the sky and the way in which he bursts from the ground like uh, like part of me is like as an eight-year-old i would have loved this movie like uh, this movie would have been like this is very gremlins very uh, no, no, no that's not fair Gremlins is much better Not than this. <laughs> Temple of Doom is yeah. Temple of Doom is much more visceral than this, but it has that sort of feel yeah, to it, which I, it I re- which I really love. Which is I I, I think I eventually about. it got to that. Yeah, I, I think I think that the longer it went on, it felt like the bit where where Black Bolt literally blows his own brains out. Which, by the way, as somebody who loves puns, I really appreciate it. It's like that is an ironic death. He blew his own brains out. Yeah, um, and that's an enjoyable moment. Um, you have like America on an on an altar that felt very kind of Temple of Doom, as well. Where where it um I I did like the part of him like incorporating all of his all of these demons. To, and and, to... and they're very much dead, the kind of like snarky deadites where they're like whingy and complainy and like narky. They're not like you know because like zombies speaking right turtle haunting dead whatever. They're like. Why? You know, like they're very cartoony. Well, that 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 is like very much kind of a, a um, thing. making some sort of a point about like you know taking all of your 
um, normal anxieties and making them like part of your your superhero identity. Um, but yeah, sorry, sorry. So is that Psy Up Two? Is that is Psy Up Two the horror movie thing? No, no. I, I I don't know. I I just I just think it's weird to me that people are like it's a horror movie where again it it once you get underneath the surface it really isn't because it's not it, it it's not like what what fears is this speaking to none what anxieties is this speaking to none and that again i think is well not none but but not i i, I don't think it does that coherently and no. again it comes down to the fact that this isn't a story and these characters don't matter <laughs> and 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 this movie is fundamentally disinterested in its main character and his journey and we'll only just touch on that at certain points in a way that doesn't really connect at all. Like when this movie's talking about like Doctor Strange and is he happy and all that, the issue that I have with that is that I don't, I don't care about his <laughs> happiness because he's he's a very he's a very bland two dimensional character. He, he and, and and this is the other side of the coin with you getting a character over by having them cameo in six, seven, eight movies over the course of six years is that audiences are very familiar with them and they'll turn out and watch them. But like, what does Dr. Strange want? Like the whole movie is, 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 is spending two hours to say, I don't really know. <laughs> like, but, but Liz, is that good is, enough after, after wants, two he movies? Wants, he wants the obligatory, like he wants the same thing Wanda does, which is the domestic, the illusion of domesticity. He wants like the idea that, you know, you are completed by having another person. You're but it does that, it does that badly, I think. And, and again, like it does that by having, Rachel McAdams here, who is a completely useless, completely boring character that it it has, has who has no personality whatsoever. And again, I didn't even think she was coming back for this one because she, she was a completely she was useless, back. completely boring character with no personality she, she, she in the first. No, until I think two weeks before they started shooting that she was in the movie. And she's and a big again, part of it. And that's, that's, structurally, that's that's not good if you have such a, a character with such a big amount of screen time and a big amount of plot summary activity that is completely two-dimensional and boring and, 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 and unengaging and unimportant. I, f- I, felt, I felt that it worked okay in the sense that, like, whether you care about Doctor Strange and his happiness, you care about yourself and your happiness, and that you can see his, his kind of question as a, as a cipher for yourself as the audience. I guess, but what this movie suggests is that in every dimension in the multiverse yeah dr strange can't be happy and can't have yeah. what he thinks that he wants and can't be with this person yeah but it like why <laughs> it doesn't really yeah, that, doesn't really because, have because, like that should be a big deal in terms of that character and that story and it's not and it's not because here's patrick stewart and did you watch wandavision and all this other stuff okay, you can, know can I, it's it's can, so many spinning plates that it can't sorry darren sorry go ahead wow. What I, what I would push back against that is, and again, this is this is at the risk of being like, this does feel like a psyop for Darren in that it's a movie about an arrogant control freak who lies to the people around him with a goatee attending his best friend's wedding, wondering whether or not he will ever be happy or get what he wants in life. And it's like, yeah, I feel like this movie was maybe designed specifically for Darren. But all, all joking aside, though, like, I think that it does, it, it has a pretty consistent thematic through line, which is, and I quite like it, is that it's a movie about the multiverse. It's a movie about the idea that there are infinite different realities out there. And in those realities, which, by the way, you connect to by the process of dreaming, so they are explicitly fantastical realities. And if you keep looking in that place, you can find a universe where you are happy and you have everything that you want. And if you have the power to do that, all power to you. 
But also doing that means rejecting reality and rejecting reality is dangerous and rejecting reality for the reality that you want is actively destructive and harmful. And like, that's the thing, like, what is it about? It's about Strange and Wanda both wanting something they've been told that they need. And you're right that Christine isn't really a character. You're right that we don't really know anything about Christine. We don't even really know why he's so in love with Christine. We just know that the standard format of these movies is that the character ends up with a love interest at the end. Uh, Captain America has Peggy, for example. Iron Man has Gwyneth Paltrow's Pepper Potts. Thor has, like, Jane Foster. It's part of the package of these sorts of stories that at the end you get the compensation prize of the girlfriend, the romantic love, all that sort of stuff. And, like, it doesn't matter that these characters aren't actual characters. I mean, tell me something about Pepper Potts as a person. Tell me something about Jane Foster as played by Natalie Portman as a human being. And you can't because it doesn't matter because they're more reflections of what the audience and the characters want. I suppose at least they're all capable yeah, and I mean, I As it, they, I, you, you, they're not just kind of wives or girlfriends. There's a sense and and of the of them being like, you know, the best chief executive or, <laughs> or, or best or, surgeon. Uh, the yeah. best uh, uh, scientist. Or, well, I mean, yeah. it's telling that the MCU is like default. What do we do with these characters? Is turn them into superheroes? Where you have Peggy Carter becoming Captain Carter, you have Jane Foster becoming Thor, you have like Pepper Potts becoming like Iron Woman, all that sort of stuff, or, or Rescue, or whatever her name is. But I, I like that this is like, but you know, it you don't get that. You don't like. You're not entitled I, to that. I you suppose. Than... Oh, sorry. No, sorry. Go ahead, Andrew. No, I was going to say. Um... The real problem I had was with um, with Scarlet Witch or Wanda, where she she become it, it, it it's it it's kind of coming back to that. Um, it's like it's it, it it reminded me a bit of of like Cass from Oh Tennis, uh, the, my my Tenet, boys, my boys. It's like my boys, my boys. Where at least WandaVision felt a bit more nuanced in terms of like. Um, the line that Vision gives about um, what is grief, about... but love persevering, or whatever. Exactly. Whereas this, this was, it, it felt very surface. Yeah, um, completely. In, in in this movie, and 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 it's just crazy, mom. Yeah, and like what of... what what does motherhood mean to Wanda in this movie? Nothing. <laughs> it's just her saying my boys over and over again. But be- because they are imaginary, there like are figments pods. of her imagination. But they're they're also figments of her imagination because they're not real. She conjured them, and you get that line about isn't that what every mother does? But that's just nonsense. That's not what motherhood actually is. But it's the idea of like an extension of self. The same way that, again that Christine Strange doesn't want Christine. He wants a girlfriend. The same way that like Wanda doesn't want two people. She wants children. I think I I had a hard time, I suppose, uh, emotionally investing with that idea because I don't really get the emotional sincerity of it. I think that Doctor Strange is such a distant and thin character that when he is presented with something that, again, on a story level should be should be very important, like Wanda saying to him, I can give you a universe. I can give you what you want. I can I can give you this this love that again doesn't exist across the multiverse. I don't feel any stakes in that because the character is so distant and because all I know of him is him quipping away and and kind of being very dry and and very very dull. And his character 
necessitates so much exposition and 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 plot stuff all the time that I can't get into him because there's always another book that I have to hear about. The book or of another Ishanti, spell, which then gets or another rule, or, whatever, yeah, or another secret yeah, yeah. society or whatever. So at the end of his second movie and his eighth appearance or whatever, he's being offered his deepest desire and it falls flat for me because I have no connection to him and I have no connection to the person that is nominally his desire. And it just doesn't work for me on that level. And I, I, I think, again, I think that's, that's, that, that, that's a structural thing that that's the other side of the coin that you get from the benefits of having this character. And this character is obviously a useful utility player for Marvel. Uh, but again, that's, that's on it. That's on it. That, that's on a, another level than the one-to-one story investment stuff. You know, it's kind of the 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 um, arrogant, um, uh, clever kind of. Um, well, he's the sort. He's the villain for Robert Downey Jr. Again, like the thing yeah, is, like with with yeah. Doctor Strange in 2016, the studio realized that like Robert Downey Jr. had done his three solo movies. He was signed to do two more Avenger movies, and he was gone. Chris Evans at this stage had done his three solo movies, and he was going to do the two Avengers, and he was gone. We need to bring in a new surrogate, and Strange is very clearly right down to being goateed. Um, is 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 very much Star Lords the the kind of Captain America stand in them? Is who? It, Black Panther or Captain Marvel, I would argue, are probably the Captain America stand-ins or intended as such. Um, but like, it's very much like he's he's very much meant to be the snarky, the deadpan snarker character, similar to to Iron Man. That's the role that he's meant to fill in in the MCU in terms of the cogs and machines, which is not what what I think Cumberbatch does. I don't think it plays to Cumberbatch's strengths as an actor. I think actor. every time they try to make him be funny, it 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 falls yeah. flat because it's again, it's just not I, what Cumberbatch is good at at all. Uh, the quips in this the, one are particularly bad. <laughs> I, I quite liked the very like Army of Darkness, Bruce Campbell. I love well. First of all, I love that when when he's playing Zombie Strange, he's very clearly doing Bruce Campbell um, in like Army of Darkness, and I love that he gets the line this time. It will take more than killing me to kill me because it's such a terrible, terrible one liner. That stuff it's I did so like, good. but that felt like a little more loosey goosey than he's usually allowed to be, you know. And 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 I liked. Even though I think it's it's reductionist and sexist and two dimensional and unbland what they do with one in this, I think that Elizabeth Olsen's kind of Wicked Witch of the West performance is f- fun ish. <laughs> I like those cheesy lines where she's giving, oh, "That's my," you know. I I think it works. This is me being reasonable. Yeah, and I think it works in terms of what what Raimi is kind of trying to get out of her. That at least has a human element to me of a director talking to an actor and saying, what if we did it this way? But like, if you compare this to Spider-Man 2 and Spider-Man 2 is better than all 50 of Yeah, you compare any Marvel movie to Spider-Man 2. But I suppose my point is that every beat in that movie, whether it's an action scene or two characters talking in a room or, or, or whatever is in service of the story that they are telling on an emotional level. And I'm not saying it's the greatest story ever told, but it is... I might it's, say that. It's yeah. form-following function in that it is comic booky, it is oversized, it is soap operatic. And that means that when you get to, for example, the drama of James Franco, you know, turning his back on his friend and, and turning to evil and, you know, all that kind of stuff, it plays because it has been invested in and, and, and pays off whereas we're we're 
or if you take Star Wars, where like Luke Skywalker rejects the dark side, and you know that what that inspires Darth Vader to do, and all that, it plays because what you get out of movies are like a Cyrodarren. You get out of them what you put into them, and when you get to that moment where you know Wanda offers makes that offer to 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 Doctor Strange, like this is supposed to be a multi dimensional trip through madness, and 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 dreams and desire. And again, it's the second movie starring this character and stuff. And it doesn't play to me because I don't think it's been invested in properly. But I, I don't think I don't think that moment is meant to be a particularly moment of like doubt or temptation. But, but, but it's shouldn't meant. it be? It's, <laughs> it's, it's very if, if it is, it's very early in the movie. I think it's more to establish the fact that he might want that on some level. But the, but when, you, when you then at the like end, that. when you when you have like, say, him choosing not to sacrifice america chavez that's supposed to suggest progression for his character in that he has more of an emotional investment in a person than and in the big realized, picture and he's realized that he doesn't like he doesn't have to be the one holding the knife yeah because it's her that yeah. you know has the power to win to out in the end and beat the baddie and blah 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 and it's him letting go and in again in theory he should be able to do that because of the emotional development that he's had with that character over the course of the film you know she's younger he's older She's more sincere. He's more cynical. That should play, but it doesn't because he was talking to Patrick Stewart when he should have been talking to her. You know, like it's it's. No, I, I know. I'm it's not arguing strokes, it's a but it, I, I'm not it, arguing it's a masterpiece by any stretch of the imagination. But I'm also arguing that I think there are solid thematic arcs here. Like, I mean, even even something as simple as the visual of like Wanda tearing through the the Ayn Rand superhero stuff, where like you have this juxtaposition of, and again, like. We've talked about this on the podcast before. One of my big issues with the MCU is the whole unchecked power fantasy thing. Where, like, the core thematic drive of the MCU is power is awesome. People should have more power and they should use it to get whatever they want. You know, Civil War is a big example of this. Where it's like, yeah, accountability is for assholes. Uh, Captain America should be allowed to tear through Berlin if he wants to. Or Endgame, where it's like, Thanos having the Infinity Stones is bad, but our heroes should have them because they're good and they will use them for good. And all that sort of stuff. And I really like that this movie thematically, like consistently throughout, plays with that idea because it's it's a movie that is about the idea that actually maybe and again to tie it back to Spider Man to tie it into the the Raiminess of it all because Waldron was writing specifically to Raimi things like the idea that just because you have the power to do this stuff doesn't mean that you have the right to do it and e even something as simple as the fact that like you have this recurring motif of strange as god strange you know as this character who can like turn water into wine at weddings uh, who at the end of the movie becomes a literal watchmaker um who is constantly framed by Raimi with halos around his head as if to suggest this and the idea that like himself and the scarlet witch can remake reality to their will and you go into this alternate universe where, and again, gratuitous cameos completely undermines the thematic point, but the idea that you have this world where the superheroes are, like, these Ayn Rand, exceptional elitist individuals, Illuminati. Illuminati, who literally rule the world in shadow, who, like, build monuments to themselves, statues based on lies. And the, yeah, they, they've, like, these robots or whatever. But, like, the core theme of the movie is about relinquishing power. So I think, like, for while acknowledging... I think you're right. The character dynamics, I think America is an issue with the movie, but I do think that like it works thematically because then you have the idea of strange surrendering that power, like giving up that power and understanding that. And again, 
not to put too fine a point on it, this is a movie released in 2022. It was very much rewritten in the immediate aftermath of like the January the 6th riots. But the idea that if you live in a world where people, and again, we were mentioning Power Bolt, but like the fact that he is blue and she is red, the fact that Wanda has decided to sacrifice a young immigrant child who is traveling across the multiverse out of fear and terror without any like desire or ulterior motive or sinister plan. Wanda is willing to sacrifice all of that to live a nostalgic fantasy that never existed of 50s domesticity. And the idea that then you go and you meet like the version of Strange, who has done something similar, and he's very much incel Strange to the point where he's like, oh, I uh, I traveled across the multiverse mass murdering people. You know, I took the literal black pill um, because, and by the way, would you mind trading me? Like, like Ross Duhat writing for the New York Times, like, would you mind trading me that beautiful woman you're with for this cool book I have? Um, just so we're clear, I, I think there is like a very... I think there's a solid thematic basis to all of this that ties it all together. And I mean, the fact that you have this idea of it's incoherent, Wanda, though. I don't know if it's incoherent. Okay. In, in in the sense that it's like America, trust your power. Yeah. <laughs> you know, kind of um, where 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 the point about it is supposed to be kind of like should 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 anyone feel kind of the right to wield that that power over the world and and to kind of like. Um, recreate the world in, in their own in their image. image and it's like yes America Tatsu <laughs> <laughs> America I, yeah. it, I, I think it's incoherent as well in that yeah okay Doctor Strange kind of relinquishes power in a sense but to do that he uses the power of the evil book of you know and that's why he, he gets that you know third eye opening thing at the end is he's he's corrupted himself in a you know I it just, yeah. I think it's confusing to me, and 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 the story again, the story, which is what I usually end up really caring about in a movie, is. I don't think it matters in the same way <laughs> to the people telling it, and the people that enjoy it as it does to me. Uh, I think there's different levels to it, and like even America, I I, I think it, I think it's a missed opportunity. In, in, in introducing that character, but Marvel can always rely on, well, you'll get to know her later. And I, and, and I think that there are, you, you mentioned those kind of parallels and the idea of her as an immigrant versus uh, Wanda and the, what, what Wanda chooses to do with herself. And, what, and the idea that the multiverse, I like that the multiverse has become this metaphor I, I, I for I think it's a compromise to me. And again, I think it's, I think it's a missed opportunity in that like America Chavez is this young girl with a power that she doesn't really understand or can, can, doesn't know how to control. She, lost her parents her, her moms Wanda you know had this power that she doesn't understand everyone always tells her that she can't control it she lost her kids and it it seems weird to me that they don't really try to thread that needle at all I mean it's, it's very much a movie about and again like this is the thing where a lot of people are arguing that it is a, a sexist portrayal and it's like I can see why you would read that in terms of like arguing about essentialism and all that sort of stuff. I also do think that like having incel strange kind of counterbalances it where it's like you have this idea of very gendered expectations of what like fulfillment looks like. And for women, you know, it's portrayed in in society, in conservative circles uh, as well, you need two kids. And for men, it's yeah. portrayed as you need a woman who makes you feel loved <laughs> and completed. And, like, and a, 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 a woman 
will only kind of like accept a man's need to have a woman in order to fulfill their need to have children. <laughs> yeah, but like, <laughs> but like, I, I, I like. I think you can read that as a, like a really sly commentary on things like, say, you know, the stereotype of white feminism existing without any sense of intersectionality, where Wanda is so dedicated. Again, the fact that like white suburban women voted for Trump, for example, that they vote Republican despite the terrible things that like Republicans do to women's rights. The fact that it's it's going to end up leading to terrible, terrible things that they'll hurt these immigrant children who are coming over here because they have no other option to, because it plays into this fantasy of like domesticity of the way that things used to be as filtered through like leave it to beaver. Like the idea that so much of like what's wrong or what's crazy about America at the moment is people being like, no, we can live in a 50s sitcom if we just wish it hard enough, you know, that we can reject reality and we can just, as long as we don't care who suffers along the way. I don't. Know. I think that would come through better if America was would just had more to do yeah. and 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 had more room to breathe uh, as a character being introduced. Like my introduction personally to to America Chavez as a character was in the Kieran Gillen Jamie McKelvey run on Young Avengers, Young Avengers, yeah, which very overtly kind of had these teenage characters contrasted with an idea of parenthood and an idea of a very literalized idea of, of evil parenthood. And that, that, that worked thematically because of what the book was about and, and, and how that story was told and stuff. And, uh, you know, that's, that's just one run and, and, and stuff like that. But it felt like, it felt like a missed opportunity here because it felt like the pieces were there. But again, I, it just always feels to me like there's so many pieces that it can't, yeah. Uh, I think it's compromised. I think is the, is, yeah. is the oh. word that I would use. And look, that's 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 one way of looking at it, you know. I mean, and I and I would agree with that. And I think like one of the big issues with like Chavez is like you can tell that first of all, obviously, the character of Chavez was originally meant to premiere in a different movie and literally got parachuted into this one, and it's very clear. It also feels like, and again, this is something based on as as you said, like my familiarity with America Chavez is largely from reading those kind of comic book runs. But it really feels like Disney were like, okay, we want to introduce the character of America Chavez, who is this bisexual Afro-Latina character uh, into comic books or into, into feature films. Uh, but one of the defining attributes of the character in comic books is that she has a very strong personality, very forceful, very assertive, very aggressive. We are also cognizant of the fact that people online are going to get very upset at this bisexual, very angry Afro-Caribbean character, sorry, Afro-Latina character coming in and being strong and assertive. So can we make her passive? And it feels like, because that, that's a big thing watching it, is that there's no sense of America Chavez having any character whatsoever, having any personality or any agency or anything like that. And it feels like the movie is almost structured so as to avoid doing anything that might potentially alienate any viewer who might have strong opinions about a character like that having a personality. That, that bothers me. That does bother the, me about the movie. The journey for that character is either that they come in um, overconfident and, and, and get to learn about their kind of limitations, um, or it's that they, they're afraid of themselves and that, that they that they learn to overcome um those uh, limitations um and, and they, that they go uh, 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 that way with it. I, don't, I don't i don't necessarily have a problem with that i think the problem with the movie is that there's too many things that it's trying to do even like like the i would have liked to have spent 
more time just kind of like tripping on on the, yeah, on the multiverse, the like multiverses. actually having a mad multiverse. Yeah, that they and, that they that they spend like um, that they do four just kind of zip through yeah. like a whole lot of like 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 the paint the paint universe and, or the yeah. cartoon universe or the noir yeah. universe. And it's like no, we got four universes and they're all pretty much the same. Yeah, um, yeah. Where no, like, like this one, they go on, they walk on. <laughs> This, this this guy this guy has a ponytail um but the, 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 like a lot of the most fun for me in these um uh doctor strange movies is um where um reality is kind of being uh, well, the, the big, and, the big psychedelic you, you get, moment in the first yeah. one where like Tilda Swinton, like which gets the call back here with what's in that tea or whatever. The moment where he's like pummeling, powering through this stuff. And it's the most visually interesting thing in the movie. And it's over in two minutes. Yeah. And you get you get I, I think there was some of some of that, but not much in. Um, is it No Way Home? <laughs> is that what it's called? <laughs> the um, last Spider-Man movie. Not yeah, the last where there's the trains kind of like, um, uh, you know, kind of spiraling, and we're oh, know, the, the mirror stuff. dimensional that sort of exactly, stuff. yeah, yeah, and 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 where we you you have a little bit of that where initially kind of like the the um, Wanda or the Scarlet Witch is is kind of trapped in oh, that's in... during the attack on on kind of like wherever the the mystical mountain is when she again that's when you get the proper yeah. Evil Dead references but where the, the the mirrors water and stuff like that and the cameras pushing and all this sort of stuff yeah but that you could have a lot more fun with kind of things like that but you but the, but that you've you're 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 just pushing to have more and more stuff um in, yeah. in the movie and that if you focus on maybe some of these elements and what makes the movie interesting and not try to kind of you know oh um do more stuff more um, now louder um yeah I, I i kind of see that and i mean i do one thing i want to talk about just before we wrap before we wrap up is that like i do I find its attitude towards authorship kind of interesting because we talked about how so much it's of the MCU... It's all about authorship, isn't it? That, 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 that the, the, the possibility um, that these multiverses instantiates aren't a complete set of possibilities. They're, 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 they, they just make sense in, in, in terms of a writer. So when you're writing, you have a character and then you have to decide what does this character do. Whereas if you're talking about a true multiverse... Anything. Um, and there is no all the time. Um, uh, essential character. His daughter, his, his sister, doesn't always die. You know, he is. Sometimes he he um, lives happily ever after with Christine. Sometimes there is no Christine. Um, sometimes he's Mister Strange. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes <laughs> you know, he's Professor Strange. He got that yeah, thing. yeah. Whereas where the, 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 this is like a specific kind of a, a comic book or kind of um author's yeah. sort of uh, multiverse conception of yes yeah. I mean, well, well that that's the thing it's like the thing about multiverses thematically is that like they render choice largely inert like they render agency if there's a universe that exists out there where a character made any other choice that's possible then why are we in the story that we're in because the choice doesn't matter because they could have made any other choice and so there's no there is no character there is no character there there's just a series of author obvious branching choices if you can cross the multiverse well, it, it gives it gives you a license to kind of like um do things and not have to worry because you can kind of take it back yeah and you can and, um, yeah. and as yeah, we said yeah. we can the, use this, this as a brand exercise to get patrick stewart and john krasinski in if needs be yeah 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 this is this isn't like spock prime this is <laughs> this is <laughs> like this is zachary quinto universe. or ethan uh, ethan peck but like yeah, yeah. when i talk about authorship and we talk about like it's more just again 
like I do think that there is an element of like Raimi Waldron to this that feels very specific where like a lot of people are criticizing this because it feels like it doesn't fit with WandaVision where a lot of people there's a lot of argument that like it picks up Wanda's arc say in a different place than WandaVision leaves it for example or that like that is strange like the the end of WandaVision has this big moment where like she fights Agatha Harkness or whatever and it's like oh you weren't really the villain for enslaving this population and like you have a moment where uh Tiana Paris playing I think it's a Monica Rambeau says something along the lines of they'll never know what you sacrifice for them and it's like oh it's this big heroic moment where like she's oh no, I, I've come out of this dark phase. I'm going to go and I'm going to be happy. And this movie almost immediately is like, no, she, she's full on supervillain. In uh, fairness, you've kind of, the WandaVision already undermines that with like an after credit sequence where yeah. it has Scarlet Witch kind of turning the... Um, Darkhold or whatever it is, the, yeah. The, 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 the Darkhold. I mean, well, which, it, which, also... is, which is itself kind of like, you could you could very easily... Rewrite, um, and you will. Uh, they will. Uh, they will uh, later on rewrite it to say that it was controlling her. It's not her agency. It's not her fault. They said that. In no, but I'm pretty it, sure. Yeah, yeah. It and, corrupts whoever it holds. It Wanda. And then at the end of this, it's like, oh no, she's actually, she, she's, she's actually good. You know. Uh, well, that's that's the that's the Spider-Man two. I will not die a monster thing. Except of course worse, she's not going though. to die a monster. Obviously, but worse. Thank like we don't have to say, <laughs> but worse. We accept it as but worse. But it's very much like except even not that because like. Elizabeth Olsen is signed for another seven years of this stuff. But again, it's so like, like well, these characters are whatever they need them to be. Yeah, that's, from that's one to thing. another. And but I I kind of like that aspect of it because it it allows this like we mentioned this being like a the, the Marvel universe feeling like a TV show with Kevin Feige as showrunner and arguably as kind of architect where everything is an episode and every episode builds to the season finale. What I quite liked about this is that this actually feels like a self-contained comic book run where you have like two authors, a writer and an artist or a writer and a director who are picking up these characters after somebody else has been playing with the toys and reaching a completely different conclusion to them. So like to pick a couple of examples from comics, like things like say Avengers 200, but basically in which like the character of uh, Carol Danvers, Captain Marvel is being written out because she's not popular. And so they send her to a pocket universe, which is controlled by her husband slash son, who has mind control powers and who bends everything in the universe to him so that he can get her to sleep with him and conceive himself. And in Avengers 200, these writers are like, this is a really happy ending for for like Carol Danvers. Isn't it great? She gets to go be a wife and mother to the same man. It's really just perfect. And then a couple of years later, Chris Claremont, who's another writer, comes along and says, actually, that was a really messed up thing that you did there. Let me write a story in the comics that points out how messed up that was. And same thing with, say, the character of Magneto, where you have Claremont writes Magneto as this very sympathetic, very erudite gentleman who's this Holocaust survivor who does what is necessary to protect his people and all this sort of stuff. And then you have, like, Grant Morrison, who actually, like, lived in England, like, in the 70s and 80s, like, when the IRA were planting bombs and when people were dying, and who's like, no, Magneto is not Sir Ian McKellen, the charming gentleman. He's a mad old terrorist twat. Um, And basically the idea that, like, you get this right of reply that exists when you have these long-form narratives that are snaking. And I quite like that WandaVision... WandaVision is like, poor Wanda, she's a hero and a victim. 
they'll never know what she sacrificed Any, anybody for else would have done the same thing uh, and to give the movie some credit and to give writer mike waldron some credit director sam raimi some credit like i do think that the movie very deliberately picks up where wandavision lets off which is like wandavision ends with the you know uh, monica rambeau saying they'll never know what you sacrifice and the idea that wanda is still a superhero and she's just still part of the community and all that sort of stuff and here it opens with the idea of wanda tending this orchard but she's she's not a fugitive Nobody's chasing her. She's not hiding. Strange finds her easily enough. He finds her between scenes. He doesn't have to do any spells to track her down. He doesn't have to talk to any government sources. She's hiding in plain sight. She's not facing any consequences for her actions. And then, you know, when Strange shows up, she's like, oh, I knew somebody would show up sooner or later to talk about what happened in Westview. And Strange is very similar to Monica Rambeau, where it's just like, look, it, it happens. It, it happens to the best of us. It doesn't matter. Those weren't real people. They were just, you know background characters in in your superhero drama don't feel bad about it you know that line where he's like and you said it right and that was never in doubt or which was never in doubt like that moment where it's like he doesn't really care he almost hands over america chavez to wanda until she has a slip of the tongue and, and kind of the movie then reveals oh by the way no she's a full-on supervillain. i think like having strange show up and be like it doesn't matter what you did in westview and then having the movie go well, you missed a giant red flag, feels very deliberate and very pointed. And again, like Luke is right. These movies treat the characters between movies however they need to be treated. Uh, they don't really have consistent or clear character arcs. Again, look at Thor, where Thor changes dramatically between his early movies, between the Avengers movies, and then between, obviously, the Watiti movies as well. Um, but like... I do think that there is something very clever in the way that this movie uses Wanda and uses Strange to underscore that point. Because, I mean, at the risk of getting very nerdy and into the weeds, like, Wanda's a character who has never faced any consequences for anything that she's done. She releases the Hulk in Johannesburg in Age of Ultron, and at the end of that movie, she's an Avenger. She is sent untrained into the field at the start of Civil War, kills 11 civilians, and the entire point of that movie is that she should not face any consequences for her actions. And I like that, yeah, the start of this movie is like, well, why would anybody try to make her face consequences for her actions? And then ups the ante by going, and if somebody lives like that long enough, of course they're going to develop to the point where they basically decide that they have the right to rewrite reality to fit their own fantasies. Well, we, I, I think we feel like our own mothers would be villains and monsters, like if it were for us, you know? <laughs> Did, didn't Sam Raimi <laughs> say he watched some of it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that's know. because they're producing it at the same time. I'm, I'm presuming Mike Waldron, who wrote the script, read the scripts at least. But I, I, I do. I, if I was to compare it to, to, to how comic book runs are done, this, this to me is more like when, when, when a, a a company says we've got Kevin Smith to write uh, on a run, and and so he presumably he's going to have characters say swear words and d do a bong, <laughs> you know. So it's just like the Kevin Smith movies. Look, you know? I know you love Batman Widening Gear, the scene in which you're, like famously Kevin Smith revealed that Batman peed himself during and, like, and, one and, of and his it, famous it, stories. It doesn't really matter whether the run is good or bad because it's going to get mentioned in the trades. You know, because it's not it, Kevin Smith. It legitimizes the, the, the brand, you know. Uh, Doctor Strange didn't pee himself, so <laughs> that that is a, is that a plus or a negative? Like there's there's he a did question. get sick though, so at least there were some bodily fluids. And it did it did die as well? 
Had that big head head wound. Did, yes, uh, so presumably traumatic brain injury. Presumably he threw himself at that moment. Yes, Ro- Robocop <laughs> reference. Um, I wonder, yeah, if Alex if Alex Murphy in in uh, uh, in Robocop, like when he's when he's when being he, tortured by by Clara's body, does he relieve uh, himself? Yes. Yeah. Do, does he relax as completely as one does? Um, all right, so. <laughs> anything anything else you want to talk about with this movie? I like that it looks like I don't have any opinions. But what was PSYOP number two? Okay, Give so PSYOP two, two very quickly. PSYOP two, D- yeah, sorry. Yeah. Okay, and again, th- these, this this universe has dragged on for so long now. The the period in time where critics were regularly accused of being paid shills for Marvel. I, I remember that. The distant memory. I um, remember that now. I'm 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 I'm. I'm that's because you still get these accusations, presumably. But but you get all sorts from. Uh, every wacko out there on the internet, Darren. I, I was going to host this episode with Evil Darren, but unfortunately, Evil Darren is on Twitter tweeting about Star Wars. But the the re- the reality is, obviously, was always that that was ridiculous. However, <laughs> I I would contend that that they, that Marvel Marvel Studios know that they don't have to do that if they make their their products flop proof that 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 to me i think is always the overarching ambition that's the extent of their ambition with their product is to make it flop proof and i think a lot of what they do informs that like we've talked before darren about the emotional insincerity of these movies and the the you can't make the joke because i've already made it of it all you know so it's like nothing we do can be a joke because we're already in on the joke yeah, you know, you now we're seeing we're that even the bad stuff that they do can be repurposed later on and can be important yeah. and can be something that you are invested in. You know, like you're casting. Yeah, or, yeah, or, or, or like not not having um, consistent accents, or even um, just like say the Inhumans guy showing. Yeah, up. bring bring in Anson Mount as a Black Bolt or whatever. Like you, like you could fold in Ben Affleck as Daredevil into this movie, and like that's the thing. It's like that. I wonder if, like, part of the reason why I like this movie as much as I like this movie is because, unlike Luke and unlike Andrew, I was extremely online and I was hearing all of the crazy rumors about I, this I, movie. I, I'm that... extremely online. <laughs> I okay, I was extremely online. You're um, in the multiverse of madness. I was in the multiverse of madness, but like, I kept hearing rumors that they were going to bring back like Nicolas Cage's Ghost Rider. They're going to bring back all of the X Men from the Brian Singer movies and from X Men First Class. They're going to bring back Ben Affleck as Daredevil. They're going to bring back Ian Griffith as as Mister Fantastic. They, 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 like, they, they could have done any of those, and it would have meant as much ultimately. Well, that, and and, that, and it's not the last time that they'll do this. No, that, 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 you that's, will that's, see Hugh Jackman again. Like that's a that's a that's a guarantee. Like you will. Yeah, he's just again. holding out until they drive the dog uh, full of money up to his head but but you know and again that is just about keeping the idea that these are things that you that you have to see and even the bad ones are ones that you have to see going and also and, that it and, adds value to the library that's on disney plus like because now yes. i guarantee you people are going like because that's that's the model now the model and, isn't just go and see the next marvel project it's go on to disney plus pay for a subscription and watch inhumans the show that we have told you is terrible the show that every human being has told you is terrible but is now important because and the, and the, they have no need to have ambition and diversify the kind of stories that they're telling because in press they can always go and have always gone, oh, well, this one's a heist yep, movie. This one is a paranoid This thriller. one's a horror movie. This one is an auteur movie, you know? And again, as long as they superficially speak to that, then they can appear, they can have the the, the appearance publicly and the image yeah. of, of, of having variety. And in, 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 in terms of critical evaluation, it doesn't matter whether the reviews are, are, are 
great because they're consistent. And when they have Sam Raimi and they have him do just enough Sam Raimi-isms that, as I say, it comes up in every review, they're they're rotten tomato-proofing themselves, Darren. Okay, because that will keep people just on board enough (laughs) that the line stays green, (laughs) you know, (laughs) and people apparently care about this stuff. Red, and people have to go on red, Luke. But there is no disaster. They don't have the ambition to have a disaster, you know. There won't be a Batman versus Superman. And they have massaged their way out of cringe, (laughs) you know, in ways that say Daredevil with Ben Affleck or or other movies, X Men 3 or or, all these. They, they failed. Ghost Rider. Yeah. Those are managed now much more cohesively. Morbius. And that's where Marvel are invested in having cohesion. And and that's Psy Up too, is that they have they have Rotten Tomato proof themselves and they don't need to pay us Darren <laughs> because they can manipulate us. And I will I will not be interested in seeing this movie and now I have generated two hours of content about it. <laughs> you know? That's sorry, sorry Luke, I yeah, apologize. Marvel didn't do that. Darren did. Darren did that. But um, they've got Darren. They don't have to have him in their pocket because they're in his head. But that, that's, an exa- like, that, that's an exactly. It's like, I mean, you know, you have people who are online who have very strong opinions about my very strong opinions. And like for the past nine movies, six TV shows, they've been like, man, Darren really hates the MCU. He's got to be in his bonnet. He's he's complaining about it. And I come out and I say, actually, I, I quite enjoyed Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. I don't think it's a masterpiece, but I had a good time with it. And they're like, he's in the pocket of Big Disney. He's in the pocket I, of Big Strange. I, I, I have one last thing in my notes to talk about, me. Darren. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Go on. Uh, it's Wong. I hate Wong. I hate Wong so much. Really? <laughs> he's such a terrible character. I don't hate Benedict Wong. I have no beef with Benedict Wong. <laughs> But Wong, to me, what's wrong with Wong? Is so emblematic of of all of the issues that I have with with okay. the MCU and with Marvel Studios, okay? Because who the <laughs> is Wong? I used to I always had this joke where my favorite Marvel character was Doctor Eric Selvig because it was just very funny to me that <laughs> there was this character that that had no importance. Stellan Sarsgaard appeared in Thor: The Avengers. Did he appear in the Dark World? Okay, so so Wong. Age of first of all. He's a comic relief character that is not funny at all, but just says things in a funny cadence sometimes. He's an Asian magician that listens to Beyonce. Isn't that funny? That's that's the Marvel sense of humor distilled. And like he and Strange, when they go back and forth with each other, it's excruciating. <laughs> but it's the Marvel <laughs> house style comedy to a T, and I hate it. Uh, he's a character of no real importance whatever, whatsoever. He's the Sorcerer Supreme, and that has nothing he to do... Boss, like, right. he... Yeah, it should be his por- his his point of view and his goals and his 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 aims and his opinions of strange and all this stuff should matter and it doesn't. Luke, D- Luke? D- Darren, Luke? I'm not finished. No, 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 no I, I'm injecting content. Well, you can finish in a moment. I feel like it's important to inject some context here. The reason that Wong is in these movies is that Scott Derrickson and C. Robert Cargill, who are writing the first Doctor Strange movie, did not want to include the character of Wong because they felt that he was an Orientalist stereotype, uh, an outdated piece of pop culture dating back to the 1960s. In the comic books, he's basically Strange's manservant and factotum. He's the guy who makes coffee in in the Sanctorum. He's the guy who makes dinner for Strange. He's all this sort of stuff. He's always been this character who's largely just been there to provide exposition, wander around the background as bold, uh, Tibetan in the comics character. Uh, Scott Cargill, uh, sorry, Robert Cargill and Scott Derrickson were like, no, we don't want that in our Marvel movie. How and ever, 
when they were making, and this is one of those really depressing and 250 tropes, get your bingo card ready for this one. When they were making the first Doctor Strange, they were like, okay, we're going to have the ancient one in there. And in the comics, the ancient one is Tibetan. Disney say, <laughs> no way, you are not having a Tibetan character in this movie that we want to open in China. Um, so can you can you move the action from Tibet to Nepal? And can you change it so that the ancient one is no longer anything Asian, but is now Celtic? So you're going to cast Tilda Swinton. So Derrickson and Cargill go, oh, feck. We have to, you know, now there's no representation of any Asian point of view in this movie that is largely about exotic Asian what about mysticism. about Taiwanese character? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, not like that. Yeah, not like no. that. So they, they have to add Wong back in. And like, this is, you mentioned why he's Sorcerer Supreme. He's Sorcerer Supreme because they were like, okay, we have to have Wong in there now. Because he's the only Asian character in exactly. there. And it's and it's like, no, 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 hold on, hold on. And it's like, he's Sorcerer Supreme because he can't be the manservant. They've done the maths and they're like, no, not in 2020. He can't have an, an ambiguous Asian. So he has to be... When, and then you have the weird situation that, as you mentioned, these are Doctor Strange movies. But Doctor Strange is essentially the right-hand man to the Sorcerer Supreme, who is a supporting character in them. But that's it. They've done the maths. He exists yeah. because of optics. Yeah. He exists because now they don't have Samuel Jackson anymore. And so he, or they don't, you know, he's the Coulson. He's the pound line Coulson. It's again, like you saying, yeah. where Dr. Strange is the, the Iron Man the figure yeah, yeah, in terms yeah. of where they are now in the phase, you know, it's a structural thing again. Uh, it, 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 it's, it's, he, 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 he is a zombie character to me. He's dead air. He, I hate him. <laughs> he's terrible. <laughs> Benedict, like Wong as a character, has been in six movies since 2016. Yeah. Right? And yep. who the fuck is Wong? Superman what has been Wong in Wong? eight movies since the 1970s. That's how, that's how quick this machine <laughs> It just gets faster and faster all the time. Okay. To be fair, at least... In five years' time, we will be seeing Wong in a movie every 10 minutes. <laughs> the universe is <laughs> Every five minutes at the AMC. Yeah, every five minutes at the AMC in Times Square. And Wong is emblematic of all of that. And I hate him. I hate his well, yeah, stupid I mean... jokes. <laughs> I hate his useless cameos. Like when, when Wong showed up in Shang-Chi... Yeah. <laughs> well, to be fair, the thing with Wong and Shang-Chi, which is, you know, again, I'm not going to comment on because I'm a white guy on a podcast. But the thing with Shang-Chi is that that was very much, let's get all of the Asian Marvel characters together. Yeah. And it, what a moment like, it was, Darren. Yeah, I, I know. I, I mean, it representation. It's like, I feel like this is not how you do representation. But they didn't but have uh, Kumail Johnny. They Well, King, uh, Kingu Asian wasn't out. The world wasn't ready for Kingu. Kingu ah. was like, Kingu was a couple of months later. See, like, if, if that had happened, Kingu would have been all over. But they bring back, like, Ben Kingsley, for example, from Iron Man <laughs> 3. <laughs> like, yeah, it's very much like we have Wong. Famous, we... like, double Asian uh, <laughs> Ben Kingsley. But Ben Kingsley. Like, Gandhi and the, the, the Mandarin. Right. But that's it. It's that, like, he can play anyone. Like, like, that's, that's it. like, Ben Kingsley can get away with playing any ethnicity due to, like, the way that Hollywood works by its rules. But yeah, he's that like, is... Uh, he's like our Anthony Quinn. <laughs> Yes, but like, and Anthony Quinn was uh, any any Mexican, Turk, Greek, um, Arab, or non-white yeah. person in general, basically Argentinian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but like to to do to Luke's point, I think you can really feel that with Wong here, where like Wong gets thrown off a cliff, and it is very obvious that they tested the movie 
and they didn't like that Wong got thrown off a cliff. So Wong arrives in the climax of the movie, conspicuously shot out of frame. By the way, we, should, we I don't think we mentioned this, but like this movie was largely reshot over six weeks. Oh, you can tell. <laughs> The, the green like, screen was in, in overdrive on this. It you looks see the like v, shit. the VFX uh, credits on this are just like ridiculous, and it, yeah. it, it's like like the amount of different like companies. And again, and that's part of my fatigue have. is that as each movie progresses, they are less and less. Uh, I guess Eternals is the is the miss is the is the exception here, but they are less and less interested in being in real locations, <laughs> actual physical spaces, and just yeah. using green screen. I, I mean, to so... be fair, part of it's the pandemic. Part of it is like shooting it, but like, will this yeah, be the I case guess, going I forward? Um, I'm old man, I'm I'm the old man yelling up to the cloud but, here. We are loaded to the, the cloud. Podcast. Yeah, uh, we <laughs> yeah. are doing a remote. We are all green screened into this podcast. And again, like the thing is that like you have like six months of reshoots before Christmas. And to be fair, some of this is down to Benedict Cumberbatch's schedule doing press for Power of the Dog. But like when he's at the BAFTAs in March 2022, he's asked about what was it like working on Doctor Strange, and he's like, "Oh, I'm still working on Doctor Strange." In March 2022, they interview Sam Raimi at the end of April, which is only a couple of weeks ago now. And it's like, yeah, I, I think we have the movie in lockdown. But like the thing about Marvel is that if we need to do reshoots, uh, they'll let me go back out there. Um, and like, again, this is really depressing and bleak and not how movies should be made. But I do kind of admire that, like, when any other studio does this, you end up with something like Josh Trank's Fantastic or a movie that we will be talking about later in this year, uh, Ron Howard's Solo, A Star Wars Story. Um, but when Marvel do it, I think this is coherent, which is interesting. That's because like they, they, they're just better at it, man. Oh, yeah, I, that's I, it. Like, I, my very, very, very last thing is on the Spider-Man episode, I said that that, you know, I'm something of a scientist myself and was a nadir and the worst line I've ever heard. Oh, here we go. The Illumawadi was worse. <laughs> Illuma what like again it's so emblematic of their sense of humor where it's like it's it's not a joke it's just in the cadence of a joke and it's just undermining the thing that they've introduced and it's Benedict Cumberbatch saying it in a terrible American accent. Why does that character, Doctor Strange, say that as well? Yeah, yeah, like it's it, like it, he he knows he's an educated like, man. Surely he yeah. knows what the concept of an Illuminati are. Yeah, okay, that's what you call them. Yeah. yeah. I kind of picked it up from all the Ayn Rand stuff that was kind of happening around here. That was the general my, vibe I got. In my audience, the saying Illuminati at all got a bigger because again, they wouldn't be familiar with the comic book version yeah. of what that is so just referencing the illuminati got so such a bigger laugh than the illuminati so bad so um. bad <laughs> but no um. it was fine <laughs> yeah i love that we gradually i love that you were like when we started this i have nothing to say about this yeah, no, this is what you always do darren god damn it. great it's like it's like therapy all right then i think that about wraps it up then unless there's anything else you want to talk about so luke is there anything more you want to say any particular lines any character beats any this oh, is man. A safe space, Luke. I remember when Wong was like, "You, you got it's the custom." That was gas. That, that was gas. I, that was very I, funny. It wasn't funny, but I thought it was a nice little character arc because it plays off the humility thing. It plays into the theme. It doesn't do it well, but it works thematically. I thought the theme was that he had to face his fears, and he also had to be humble, and he had to accept that he can't always get the things that he wants. That's like two things, bowing. though. <laughs> <laughs> I should have probably picked one. <laughs> He can't yeah. always get the things that he wants, like not bowing to, to Wong. Um, he's afraid of failure, I guess. I'm really disappointed 
that there weren't like multiple Wongs in this movie because two Wongs make a right. But, no. Ah, mate. Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, egg egg right. Egg the. I want to see more of Bowman. Was he in some movie that I haven't seen? Was no, he in Shang-Chi? No, no, but... Bowman uh, is getting his own eight-part miniseries on and, Disney Plus in 2025. his own energy drink. Um, <laughs> he'll, yeah. be, he'll be in Young Avengers, which again, it's like, it doesn't matter what we do to America Chavez here, because you'll, you'll watch Young Avengers on, yeah. coming soon to Disney Plus. In, ter- in, in terms of food waste, I'd, I'd, um, I suppose... Pizza Papa! Like, Do- Doctor Strange isn't expected to eat his lemon twist. He does finish the drink. Like I, I know that I, I will eat the lemon twist. <laughs> pizza balls. Uh, nice. He doesn't pizza papa. Pizza um, papa. I, yeah. I like the 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 Bruce Campbell. Like again, that's. I the... feel like pe- pizza balls would be very hot. And, it should be on a stick. Always <laughs> not, not in a little your mouth on them. Yeah. yeah. Um, and like just just on on the Bruce Campbell aspect, of it, like again, I, I know Luke and I disagree on the level of autorism at play here. I quite liked how much of this felt like Raimi being quite a gracious auteur, where it's like he brings ba- he brings back his old school friend and he gives his old school friend literally the last word, which I loved. I loved that like the the post credit scene is a mockery of post credit scenes, I, and like he brings back Danny go Elfman. Home. The movie's yeah, go, over. Yeah, that's it. But that's it, it, it's also an example of him not knowing when to kill his darling because the movie they, they like even post credit wise it should it should end with the third eye yeah um <laughs> it should be that i go like leave the audience being like oh my gosh you've you've pretty much forgotten about that by the time like <laughs> yeah, pizza papa is saying the movie is over or I, it's okay over. I, I would cut the i would cut the Shirley's theron one and keep the pizza papa one but like he gives his gives his old school friend the last word and he like you have the big music fight with like the the back and beethoven which feels like him being like danny elfman that by yeah. the way that, yeah. that, that, was, that was like a a um one example of the marvel um the color beams the color blasts yeah. like, like like the you know where they're like okay we'll get to this point and he'll shoot like um orange per- and he'll, and he'll shoot, shoot back purple. red yeah or, or purple or this time why don't we do blue and it'll be yellow and um but this is an example of them saying, how about we do something more interesting than just have two colors, beams. like uh, beams, like pushing against each other, which I did appreciate. Honestly, I wouldn't yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if 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 Marvel brought Bruce Campbell to Sam Raimi. It's like, look, <laughs> like the you like this, do, don't you? Do this is what you do in turn, your movies. Turn the Raimi oh, thing up. Bruce Campbell cameo and Sam Raimi. Because again, Sam Raimi was a going for hire that showed up at the last yeah. minute. <laughs> so I, I wouldn't be surprised if they dropped Bruce Campbell in and he was like, oh, Bruce. <laughs> Fancy meeting you here. I mean, okay. to, 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 to be fair, like, I mean, and, and again, like the thing, like the showcasing of the music feels like it's a nod to like Raimi. Like we mentioned Spider-Man 2 as possibly the best Raimi movie. It's also the one where he went full auteur. He apparently became impossible to work with. He was not a nice person to be around to talk to anybody about that movie, including himself. And famously, Danny Elfman described him as an asshole on that movie and refused to come back for Spider-Man 3. So it feels like I like that this has Sam Raimi bring back his old friend, Danny Elfman, who's worked on his project. The most musical Spider-Man. <laughs> this was Spider-Man 3. Yeah. Well, um, notably James wait. Brown. We had to use James Brown because we couldn't get Danny Elfman. Yeah, but you, you also have... The Jazz um, Club. I haven't even seen that movie, but... The, uh, you haven't the, seen is, Spider-Man 3? No, no. Isn't there a thing, though, There's a dance where club, a she, jazz club. Um, but isn't she trying to break through on Broadway or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Um, but yeah, like, so, but it feels like it's like he gives like that moment to Elfman where like, cause you've had this big thing where the Marvel movies have this like symphonic Marvel universe where it's all just owl wallpaper. And instead it's like, let's have a big music fight. That's very much showcasing that, Hey, these movies have music in them. And yes, if we are as cynical as I am sometimes, and Luke is all the time. Marvel music is terrible. But it is. It is terrible. To be say fair. That the and Avengers it, team is so nothing like yeah. for something that was so big. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, but it, but it, but, like, it does feel like Raimi's maybe, like, nodding his head and being like, yeah, me being an auteur means that these people are also involved in making this movie with me. Anyway, that's my, my last point to make. All right, so, last chance. Anything else to say, Luke, Andrew, anything we haven't discussed or anything to be at it, you guys? I'd like to know what Infinity War was like in the paint world. Because like, they, they suggest that there's an Infinity War of sorts in every universe. universe. Uh, Patrick Stewart had to... <laughs> go around the the black and it's the same bland CGI desktop background that they yeah. had there. Yeah, no, their no, no they, it's, it's Titan as well, or wherever uh, it is. Yes, uh, which is not the moon of Saturn because that would be silly and goofy. And these are movies for grown-ups. But, but uh, yes, I'd like Titan. to know what what that was like in the paint world. Oh yeah. Um, all right then. So what we normally do? Oh, sorry, Luke. Is no, there, no. How do you look? No, I was going to say the the bee terror thing was. Um, I found that funny. The bee appears and she screams and then like, <laughs> like zaps both, her parents are like, <laughs> Incidentally, why the film is banned so in Saudi bad. Arabia uh, is because of that. It features those two bombs. Um, Could they not do what yeah. they usually do and have it and like, say that so, they're friends? Yeah. Insert insert a line over saying my mother and her friend. Um, you again, have them this dri- gal driving about on their own. Yeah. Um, yeah. Digitally like, remove one of them. Um, I'm, it's um but again that that's the whole disney minimum representation thing where it's like it's it's good but it's not enough it's like it's it's better than nothing disney but it's barely better than nothing. i suppose it, like saudi is a very small market it is and like it allows people and it allows um, them to to make points because they're currently involved in that whole don't get don't say gay thing in florida so it allows them that, to say oh look we're taking a stand that, that'll be coming down yeah. the line phase five They'll be gone to the wonderful city of Jeddah, like that. That they, they've done it. They've done it with other markets. They will do it with Saudis. With Saudis at the end, it's, uh, especially because of the defense contractor. <laughs> That's Psyop three, though. I don't have time. <laughs> we don't have time to get into. They they should do like a, a Star Wars movie that's more like positive on the Empire. I think as well. Just just so like they, because I feel like the the Empire have been. Bad publicity. by some of the, the Star Wars movies and the way they're portrayed. Well, I mean, there are people who unironically believe the Empire are the good guys of Star Wars. Um, they they have columns in the New York Times. It's quite, it's it's something to read. Uh, what a sure, time to be a hotel. Like you, the, the big thing over in Disneyland, it's like you can be a part of the Empire and you can narc on the rebels. And like, it's again, oh, yeah. it's all just the well, rant. Like, like... <laughs> In the games, like that, that's a lot of the fun. Like you don't really want to be the plucky Han underdog. Solo. Fighting, you want to yeah. be um, Darth, Darth Vader. Vader. And yeah. look, if you if you enjoy those movies, and then you just happen to find yourself recruited to to pilot a drone, like sure, what harm? What harm? It's like playing a video game. It's like it's like you're in the Marvel universe now. What harm? You're in an, your own Iron Man suit. I, I mean, like, actually, Prince, Prince Harry. Um, he was talking about that. He was saying like, "Well, I'm um, I'm pretty good at video games, so like it it 
it made it made it made a lot of like this helicopter gunship stuff much easier. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and look, we we are Sorry. running late, and I said we would wrap up, but like just because Luke mentioned this, this is Luke's own fault. Um, we're not gonna we're probably not gonna talk about Top Gun Maverick, which means we are gonna talk about Top Gun Maverick because now I've said we won't. But I do love that like Tom Cruise in the eighties when he was asked by Playboy about would he make Top Gun two, he was like. No, see, the problem with Top Gun was that it was appropriated by the military and they were using it for recruiting. And I just I didn't want to be associated with that. And I kind of love that it's like now we are getting Top Gun Maverick, where they will conduct war games with countries that are not China. And you'll notice that like Maverick's like perfect recreation of his jacket from the original film doesn't have the Taiwanese flag on it anymore for some reason. Great. Um, I'm sure Tom Cruise at this stage was like, sure, I've been appropriated by worse. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> You know That's you're the only way you can help, Luke. For another day. For another podcast. All right, then. What we normally do at the end of the podcast, we ask our guests to recommend something to listeners, something they're enjoying at the moment. It could be related to the movie. It could be unrelated to the movie. Just something that is giving them a bit of joy in this world. So, Luke, what are you enjoying? Oh, you moment? can't go to me first because I never. No, no, that's fine. Oh, it's... Uh, yeah, sorry. To give Luke yeah. a chance to think about it, I'm going to ask Andrew to go first. Sorry, I am so out of practice. It's been so long since <laughs> we've done one of these. I'm so used <laughs> so to being guest first, but it's like, well, sorry, we Andrew. We have the, the random number generator now. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna do the in and out chart <laughs> god remember uh, when we had a format anyway sorry. um I'll, I'll 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 recommend barry um it's it's available on now tv or probably um some of the other um streaming platforms wherever you are i'm what like hbo go some stuff like that yeah, yeah it is it's exactly. a hbo show um it's um it's a lot of fun. I'm 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 finding the third season less fun. I feel um yeah. <laughs> well, I mean it's good, but it's less it, fun. It, it's it's, it's, a, been, it's yeah, a bit it's heavier. gone from being like a kind of a dark comedy to like a a, a dark movie with occasional com- a dark yeah, show with occasional comic occasional moments. jokes. But the first first and second season are 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 terrific. There's a lot more pathos in the third season, but it's not over yet. So, like, it, it may it may just uh, pay off, and maybe I need to trust them who who've who've done so much great stuff already. It's very um that SNL skit about like half hour comedies uh, with what's his face with Tom Hanks, where it's all about this is a comedy about a family about a woman who gets cancer. It's like, <laughs> fantastic. This is the vibe we're going for. It's half hour. It must be a comedy. Sorry. But it, it it um I think it I think it's been great. I I, I think the cast um um have been um uh, fantastic. Um, Hader writes and like with Alec Berg, but Hader writes and directs a lot of it as well, which is phenomenal. Like I think his direction of the first two episodes of the third season is amazing. He's a r- incredibly talented. Not that we didn't know that already, but it's incredible. Yeah, and he seems like the kind of person. Like listening to him, he he's very much kind of like, oh, I I don't have a clue what I'm doing. Like there's an interview, there's like um, on the treatment, there's like Elvis Mitchell talking to him the way Elvis Mitchell does, kind of similar to the um, he I think I describe it as like the um, well, I guess Darren is the white Elvis Mitchell rather than rather than <laughs> Elvis Mitchell being the African American Darren Mooney. Um, but the 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 way um. He kind of unpacks the the kind of the the themes. Oh, like the, the, the James Lipton explaining kind of, explaining Spielberg to Spielberg kind of thing. Exactly, and 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 you have like uh, Bill Hader responding, it's like, "Oh, geez, wow, yeah, I wish we had you in in the writers' room. If we had figured out what we were actually trying to do, <laughs> like we didn't really kind of think about it in those terms. We just said, oh, 'Oh, wouldn't it be cool if?'" 
<laughs> sort of uh, school of writing. But no, it's it's it, it's fantastic. Um, no Ho Hank is great. It's like it did. Um, it's played by a guy called Anthony Carrigan. Um, you've got Henry Winkler in there. Um, yeah, Henry Winkler got his first Emmy nomination for the show, I believe. Oh, fantastic! Even though Hollywood wants nothing to do with it. <laughs> 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 they, they, sorry, the 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 character. Gene Caruso, uh, is it? <laughs> Gene Cousineau, isn't it? Cousineau, sorry. Yeah. Um, I, I confused him with a different actor that Hollywood wants nothing to do with. Apologies. <laughs> but um, other than that, I, 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 I watched a Good Time lately, which is incredible. That's the um, Safi movie with Robert Pattinson? Yes, that's right. I love, there, there, there's a scene kind of like towards the end, or I guess kind of in the middle, um, around like acid, um, as in LSD which I, I, I thought was like terrific and the, the, the way the way it kind of uh, uses kind of like editing and music and um, it, it, it I guess it, it did like a lot of the stuff that like uncut gems I was kind of warned about <laughs> <You know? laughs> oh the anxiety attack yeah, the idea yeah, that yeah. it's a, a two-hour anxiety attack but yeah no I've, I've uh, is it it's terrific and you're just looking at it saying like like don't don't do it or stop or you know and they, it, it just everything just gets worse and worse and it's really grim um which i don't generally like but i thought it was just very well made um yeah so i i, I don't think all movies should be like that but i i, did <laughs> I like that, that one. this one is yeah yeah perfect um, and and we're we're probably also going to recommend together like the blank check because um, they're doing the Sam Raimi they're doing a Sam Raimi season which is it's yeah. just amazing it's a joy to listen to um, and I'm kind of curious I'm yeah, nice Kevin, that we're beating Kevin them Smith to this Kevin Smith talking about a simple plan and he, he did that kind of good Kevin Smith thing where he is able to tell a lot of kind of uh, Hollywood stories. stories. He makes it all about him, but in a way that is very interesting and kind of in- revealing about the movie. Which is, yeah, very yeah. Kevin's and the, the thing I like about Kevin Smith is that he, he he's not kind of he doesn't think that he's a great filmmaker. <laughs> 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 but, but he does also spend a lot of time wrestling with Nancy Myers at the start of that episode, as I recall. Um, yes, that is true. Yeah. All right. Um, and Luke, is there anything you'd recommend? What are you enjoying at the moment? I, I, I would recommend Spider Man. And Spider-Man 2, <laughs> which are great, great movies they are. They that are. that the last six months have only reinforced the, with these zombified appropriations of, of, of them and what they 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 can do. Uh, that no Marvel movie has, is better than either of them, you know, That's still fair. after, after 30 that. movies and, and, and $500 billion and, and the entire planet it seems like uh rooting for them uh none of them approach the the excitement and the joy and the pathos and the drama and the fun and the comic book sensibilities of of spider-man and spider-man 2 they're great rewatch them and and then rewatch them and then look at truth going home (laughs) can't can never go home again and and then just see what we've see what they've taken from us but i'm not no but they're fine it's fine but the movie's fine yeah but the movie's fine just <laughs> not reinforce that point don't, yeah, you're not don't put in the podcast that i got mad <laughs> <laughs> i'll put in the notes we'll introduce in the in the it's notes like that'll be how we introduce you raging luke dunn yeah it's like there there's no real kind of necessity to make to, to i'm sure they are trying to make the best movie they can but also it's like no you're part of a 
larger project where like yeah. the project itself is 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 greater in its entirety than any movie than any individual kind of one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your so while, was it while, your 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 life a microscopic not as cog as yeah. the the what is it that the Doctor Strange says in this movie? Oh, it's, your, yeah, it, it it's like your sacrifice will save, and then he gets impaled. So right, he right. actually, I think the implication is that well, it will save millions. Like again, it's and again. I like it. It's a rejection of the utilitarianism. Your sacrifice that will we... make billions. Yes, it will make billions of dollars. But like, and again, I not to jump back into the debate. I like that the movie rejects the utilitarianism of like the weird Marvel power fetishism. But anyway, it, 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 yeah, but Doctor Strange doesn't really play fair because he's like, "Can I have your girlfriend and you can have this book?" It's like, "How about I kill you, <laughs> my girlfriend <laughs> and your book?" Yeah. <laughs> By the way, I love like I love that my crowd cheered when he got impaled on the on the fence. Like I felt really down when they cheered when John Krasinski appeared, and I was like, "What the hell is this?" And then they cheered when Benedict Cumberbatch got impaled on the fence, and I was like, "This is better. I like this. Can we have more of this, please?" Uh, more sorry, impaling the, in movies. More, please. yeah. Um, but sorry, did I cut you off there? Anything else you like? Both those movies have great impalings. They do. They do. Like right through the crotch. Yeah. Right through the crotch, he gets a. <laughs> he gets, sorry, he gets a glide. I shouldn't swear. He gets a glider through the crotch. I, I was thinking of the Spider-Man Two, uh, like the bit where <laughs> where Doctor Octopus is climbing up the side of the building with Aunt May, and you know she's yeah. hitting them. And, and, and you get when they're climbing shot up the of side the of can- you get the shot of the canyons here. and the camera pulls yeah, back yeah. and it's his sunglasses. And I don't think there's been a better superhero movie shot. Like yeah, I was thinking about that when they were climbing up the side of a building here and the the big with monster the was holding America Chavez, and it was garbage and and boring (laughs) but the movie's fine luke but the movie's fine very expressive eyes though right what sorry we do agree that the boulder had very expressive eyes and that i had very expressive eye yeah oh sorry yes yeah i had a very expressive eye (laughs) i love that i was like and hers um, I, I I like the pop sound uh, again. It's all CGI nonsense, but I like the pop sound. I did like, like the fact that. The... Anyway, Sorry. anyway, I know. I got I got other heaven. things to do. Today. <laughs> That's fair. We got we got to go. Sorry, Luke. Uh, and for myself, uh, in terms of like Raimi recommendations, everything that everybody else recommended, I watched his entire filmography. Um, just as an excuse, reading up to this, I you went had in to. like yeah. I had to. It was like by it was the rules, and like I because let me tell this you after watching two fifty slash not under two fifty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But it was like, I was like, yeah, like, I feel like part of my fondness for the movie comes from watching Spider-Man 3 and Oz the Great and Powerful back to back and being like, please, God, no. And it being marginally better. But I did love A Simple Plan, the 1998 kind of like Coen Brothers noir movie, which is somehow darker than like Fargo. It's a much darker, colder, bleaker movie about how we're all screwed when we make bad choices. And there's no rede- it's redemption. Again, that kind of like Raimi fascination with the idea that something bad will happen to you at a certain point in your life and you will never get over it no matter how hard you try. And your options are to either become a monster or just to get on and live your life and open a third eye. Uh, and a simple plan is just, I really, really love that. In terms of television, um, Better Call Saul. Uh, I'm really, really loving that. I rewatched all of it when I, I got infected with the COVID, um, which was great fun. Um, so it was nice to really, really well-made TV show. Uh, one of the best shows on television at the moment. Uh, Severance, uh, Slow Horses, um, Shining Girls, um, Atlanta, 
all those shows are on te- the flight attendant season two all those shows are on television tokyo vice if you can hold your nose enough to watch ansel elgort but it's a really well-made show with a really great performance from ken watanabe in there um those are all on television are all well worth seeking out so better call saul uh severance slow horses shining girls tokyo vice with the caveat of ansel elgort i still think this television business is a fad I mean, look, you could go to cinemas and see Uncharted, Luke, if you want. You can see Father Stew. Um, you've got all of oh, these, God. all of these, all these Mark Wahlberg vehicles. I, I feel better now about about bring, bringing you on the stag do where you got COVID. Well, presumably. COVID never Yeah, at least you got to watch Better Call Saul, and you didn't die. I didn't get to go to New York, but on the other hand, I didn't die, and I also got to watch rewatch all other calls. <laughs> that was, that was very bad. Around. No, um, I, I, now I now I again feel terrible about it. It's rightly. fine. Don't feel no, bad. It's, it's okay. Uh, it's fine. It's fine. I will go again at some point. I mean, I got to see Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness that presented New York through CGI green screens in an Atlanta car park. Isn't that the same as being in New York? Uh, with that in mind, uh, next week we're taking a week off. We're going to let this sit on the feed for a while because we're basing our episodes then the week after we'll be back we'll be covering train spotting with the wonderful emma kiley and the week after we'll be covering t2 train spotting with the wonderful emma kiley and the fantastic jason coyle joining us for that discussion and then either we'll be back with new episodes or darren is going to do something stupid and drastic like re-release a remastered cut of our aliens episode that is the threat andrew if we can't get this together well i'm re-releasing aliens Not jaws. um <laughs> well no because i Aliens is something I can recut. I have the original audio. We cut oh, 40 wow. minutes out. Remember, that was a train wreck. It was that a was disaster. A, that, that's the worst thing I have ever done, and I've done terrible, terrible things. <laughs> we decided uh, it should be an hour long. Yeah, that was that was the mistake. Um, and then, yeah, we that's why these are now two and a half hours. It's because we released an hour-long cut of the Aliens episode. Um, but Luke, where can we find you? Watch out, what are you doing? Uh, you can find me at filmandubbin.ie. I've been very busy with work lately. But we have some very exciting plans going on in the background there. So so do check us out. We, we're not dead. We're just being buried so we can be resurrected later. Uh, and you can find does, me... Does it violate a city ordinance, Luke? Uh, yes. <laughs> the city of Dublin. Uh, uh, you can find our zines, uh, Pretty Deadly Films. They're available online as well. We'll have another one of those available in the summer. Uh, our current issue, uh, the Good For Her special has some really great stuff you should check out. It's got some 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 really great articles and, and artwork based on films like uh, that have the overarching theme of, you know, good for her. You know, you're 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 gone girls. So gone girls. Your yeah. your movies like that. It's really great. And uh, we always get such great stuff for, for pretty deadly films. So do check it out. And you can find me on Twitter too much at Mr. Cynical. That's cynical with an eye. Like the cinema. And, get, oh, get, don't forget The Fence. Yes, you can find me in issue 11 of The Fence, the UK's only magazine. I have an article in there about Blackbird, uh, Michael Flatley's, Michael Flatley's long yeah. lost, long buried uh, film and the Monica Remake Streaming Film Festival, the film festival at which it allegedly premiered. Um, so you can check that. UK's only magazine. That's issue 11 of The Fence that's available online now. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you very much. We're on Twitter, we're on SoundCloud, we're on Stitcher. Um, if you like us, please feel free to rate, review, subscribe. Uh, we'll be back in two weeks' time covering Train Spotting. Thank you so much, Luke. Thank you, Andrew. Andrew, enjoy your honeymoon. Thank Luke, you so much. apologies for keeping you so long and for forcing you to watch a movie that you thought uh, was fine. You'll get um, yours one day, Darren. <laughs> 
I feel like missing New York for COVID means I'm pretty stocked up. My karma is pretty that's good. That's not my revenge, it. though. That's that's, uh, that's the universe's that's revenge. I'm I like, like Baron Mordo. Me, yeah. Like, I promise revenge <laughs> on you. And then in a few years' time, You're... the brand has pivoted away from what I want. And so different things happen to you. You get you COVID need... from an alternative source. <laughs> I think Darren needs to get revenge on me. And then when Darren the is feeling right. good about that, you get revenge on him. <laughs> Right. Uh, both, 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 uh, taking revenge, but also like wrecking his balls. This is a pro yeah. revenge podcast. Punishing it his is, hubris. Yeah. It is indeed. And I realize we've been ending for 20 minutes, so I'm going to close now. <laughs> Take it easy, guys. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.